Hi, my name is Sarah Rachel Brown. I'm a 30-something-year-old woman, and I live in Philadelphia. I'm a contemporary jeweler. And like many others, I am an artist trying to make a living. On this podcast, I am going to broach the subject of value. I'll be talking to studio artists and performers, educators and administrators, and anyone else attempting to combine their creative endeavors with how they get a paycheck. I went to bed at 8 p.m. last night. Or, hmm, I kind of passed out. Yesterday was not a good day for me which upon reflection was in large part due to my non-stop scrolling on social media and my inability to stop clicking on scary headlines, which are everywhere right now. I found myself in an inconsolable mood, and so I made a big bowl of pasta, an even bigger cocktail, and I decided to put myself to bed. I, like many of you, am just doing the best I can. So I learned two valuable lessons from yesterday's wallowing. One is that I am far too susceptible to social media at the moment, so I need to focus on putting down my phone more. And the other, I naturally just sprung up at 7 a.m., which was my pre-pandemic morning ritual. And I felt so peaceful in the morning. Should I start going to bed at 7.30 or 8 every night? You know, I could become one of those people who accomplish more before 8 a.m. than I typically do in an entire day. If I start waking up at 5.30 a.m. every day, then yes, this pandemic has truly changed my life. Anyways, welcome to another episode of Perceived Value. I am your host, your producer, Sarah Rachel Brown, and today's date is March 28th. I keep forgetting what day it is, so that is just a reminder for all of us. I want to give a huge thank you to my newest patrons, Keely and Cloda. Um, Cloda, you've been my patron in the past, and you just reinstated your patronage. Thank you. That means the world to me. To all of you supporting the podcast through Patreon, I will continue charging my patrons for episodes. And so if your financial stability has been affected due to the pandemic... You have a few days before the first of the month to cancel your patronage or put it on hold. You are charged on the first of every month, so if you need to pause your support while we weather this storm, please do so now. If you want to become a patron of Perceived Value, visit patreon.com slash perceived value to find out how. You can find the link in the description of this episode as well. To all the artists that listen, especially those who make wearable things, JV Collective, the contemporary all-female jewelry collective I am so proudly a member of, has our first ever call for entry open right now, at this very moment. Should have told you guys about this uh, last month, but um, just haven't gotten around to it. Sorry about that. But anyways, it's open. It's called In School Suspension, and we're looking for necklaces or pieces that can be suspended within a locker to be exhibited during our multi-exhibition event, Homecoming, which is to take place during the Society of North American Goldsmiths Conference here in Philadelphia, 
this May. Okay, so last month, that's how I would have put it. But a lot has changed in a month. A lot can change in a day. So I don't know if the conference is going to happen. Um, I have no official word on this. I don't know what Snag is thinking, but just wanted to say, put it out there, that in the case that the conference is canceled and our home kind of event is canceled, we are hell-bent on exhibiting this work. It'll likely be an online exhibition first, but we want it to happen in person. So if you apply, just know that we are going to make this happen when we all can be in a room touching each other once again. That sounded weird. Whatever. Anyways, visit jv-collective.com to read the full description and guidelines for this call. I know many of you are without access to a studio space or tools, so I highly encourage you to get creative. Just get weird with it and utilize whatever you have at your disposal. You've got until April 10th to get those entries in. Oh, and did I mention the application fee is on a sliding scale. Today's guest is someone I met while living at the Penland School of Craft. Our interview is almost two hours long because every time I thought we had discussed each aspect of his career, something else would come to mind and another tangent would happen. It was great. Honestly, we could have kept going, but I was worried my laptop might catch on fire. She's old, temperamental, and we recorded this past May and it was a very warm day in Richmond, Virginia. I really love this statement in his artist bio, which starts, Jaden has furthered his career through generous opportunities such as. It's simple. I mean, most people reading it would skip over it, maybe not think about that. But I like it because I feel it exemplifies Jaden Moore's overall demeanor towards his career. He's kicked a lot of ass in a short amount of time. But when you meet him, this is not the impression you are given. He's modest. He's the first to tell you that he's been extremely fortunate with the opportunities he's been given. He's really kind and approachable. Also, he's a redhead, which makes him very special in my book. And he was completely open to being 100% transparent about his career and how he's gotten to where he is. I really enjoyed recording this interview. And I hope you will find it to be a lovely distraction while you all are social distancing. So please welcome today's guest, Jaden Moore. Yeah. Cool. Um, everything seems to be going pretty well so far. Easy going. Check and check. How long have you been in this building again? Oh, Almost cute. two years. Oh, Lee's so you- leased it for I think three or four and Kathleen's right here and she had the whole space Kathleen Kennedy I think you're gonna be talking to tomorrow I met her this morning there you go Mm -hmm. and then uh, we blocked off this wall and so oh um, you made a wall yeah we built this wall and you put a door in it I like that uh the door was there before oh I so we just filled the little the little area in and then uh somebody left this one and I or the room over there and I took that so oh nice yeah Um, just like pulling out this is a very lovely studio setup. Uh, how much does it cost? Uh, it costs 500 for both rooms. Oh, you're killing me. That's yeah. so good. Is it good? I think it's pretty good. It was one of those things where it's that Penland thing mm. where you're like, oh, yeah, this is a good chunk of money because like the yeah. residency is like, you know, I think what do you 75, pay, like- 75 bucks 
for well yeah. and plus, minus not including utilities but yeah it was like oh okay this is gonna be a lot of money and then i think oh yeah like new york philadelphia would be you're back to real astronomical. life astronomical yeah yeah totally because i mean jv collective we each pay 175 okay but we have a full room which would be bigger than this room for yeah. sure um Excuse me, we're drinking Stella. Um, <laughs> and then we have like a smaller room with a sink. Okay. And then we have this, it's an old school. So we have like an old supply closet, which is just like built in wooden shelving to the ceiling. That's awesome. It's so awesome. Yeah. Um, this used to be an old elevator maintenance building. I was wondering what it is. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. It used to be like, there's a, in Lee's studio, there's like a thing that they used to hang the like elevators from to like do the fixing. You seem quieter. Ooh, quieter? Oh, you know what I did? Oh, interesting. Learning. No, I always, my track is always on the top, and it's backwards this time. So I was adjusting my mic. Let's see. Let's turn me down. You want to switch? No, it'll be fine. Yeah, I just had to, like, get my shit together. How's that? Sarah, get up there. Check. Talk, talk, check, check, check. Check, check, check. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. Now I'm clipping. <laughs> I'm so professional. Hey. It hurts. We're learning. Jaden, I hadn't seen you in so long. It's I know, it's so crazy. Cool to see you. you look exactly the same. Do I? Yeah, you haven't aged a bit. I'm starting to get the gray down here. Oh, are you? Yeah. Nice. Which I'm pretty cool with. I look a lot more gray. You know, it's a little bit more. I mean, I'm going for I'm going to so. be honest with you, but it's totally good. I think it's a nice I look. It. I, yeah. yeah, I want to be full on. I mean, my dream would be like a full gray of hair by the time I'm 40. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to get that. I think I'm I'm just. You'll have some like little streaks of brown still. Yeah. Well, nice. I want it to be natural. I mean, Stacey Lane's hair is a dream. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, we're all shooting for Stacey Lane. <laughs> she has the perfect witchy gray hair yeah. ever. Um, so I like that. Yeah, she's got that like black tone too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 She's queen. So, oh, I also just love that I pulled up and then I was like, Lee Sugg's name on the door. Oh, yeah. And you know what's weird? It's definitely one of those things where we feel like we know each other, but we don't. Yeah. she was like, hey, it's finally nice to meet you in person. I feel like you know you. And I was like, give me a hug. Oh, my God, Lee Sugg's. I um, feel like that's all social media now. Like, oh, I, I saw Mallory Weston at mm-hmm. Snag in new orleans mm-hmm. and i was like oh there's mallory that's cool you know and then i walked away went like did other stuff and then i was like thinking about like oh yeah i saw that i saw mallory and i was like i've never talked to Ma- like i still have not talked to mallory oh you haven't and it's like oh just because of social media i think like i know her because like yeah. i see photos of her dog and her house and things like that oh yeah well we're gonna be at snag together she's oh, coming cool. back from amsterdam for we'll it we'll have to like do introduction oh my gosh yeah, yeah. i love that my favorite thing is introducing oh, people it's to the people. best part yeah, really? That's like, yeah. I mean, guys, really, honestly, that's the only part you're going to snag. It's like yeah. who you're going to meet and it's connect like, hey, with. have you met this person? You um, guys should be friends. Yeah, and that gets all elevated, too, once you have a podcast. Because oh, yeah. I am an overshare. I don't care. I'm making a career out of it. Do you like people just coming up and being like, hey, I would love to be on your podcast? Or are people mm. that bold? Or That does happen. I think that throws me for a loop. Yeah. Um, just because I, I think it's just like the feminist or the brat in me. That's like, if you say you want to be in my podcast, you're just not going to be on the podcast. Even if you're like an amazing guest, God damn. So you guys have been warned. Don't ask. Um, (laughs) totally. I mean, I could kind of understand that though. Like like I would feel that way. It's like, like, yeah, I felt the same way when I was Pentaculum coordinator, when people 
that one is a little different. But when people are like, hey, I want to come, you should invite me. There's a little bit of me being like, you're never coming. <laughs> <laughs> yes, kind of. Oh, God. Um, and the new coordinator, which um, we haven't announced it officially yet. So I'm going to wait to say her name. But um, you know her. Uh, she's She was like, I've been telling people keep working all right um she's like i've been telling people i'm the new coordinator and uh i've been really taken aback by how many people are kind of pushy about oh, yeah. asking if they can come and i was like oh girl you just have to first of all what is this okay. just start a podcast and be like i don't want that <laughs> it was like just don't tell people what you're she's like i'm not telling anybody anymore yeah. <laughs> i was like that's fine um but you know the other thing that happens that is cool is like during New York City Jewelry Week, I had people seek me out to meet me because of the podcast. And that I love. Yeah, that's that pretty so cool. Awesome. And that, I think like what we were just talking about, about um, people wanting to learn too about like how to oh, do podcasts yeah. and things like that. Like that's really awesome to like see that growth of like oh, yeah. craft podcasting and like uh, learning through. I'll put you closer. Oh, uh, learning through like this kind of discussion dialogue Mm-hmm. like um media yeah before we, before we hit record guys we we're talking about that because oh holler at your girl if you have one of these i've been approached about consulting a few times and i googled consulting contract and didn't get like <laughs> very far i mean you gotta fake it until you make it but if you have any tips on that let a girl know yeah because um, it's weird it's um it's I mean, different than a commission and it's different than teaching but not really it's like one-on-one teaching yeah i don't know so i feel like you could kind of like frankenstein <laughs> yeah a contract together. yes well that's what i'm gonna do like commission mm-hmm. and then add in a little bit of like um like lecture yeah yeah i mean it would be one-on-one i mean people do consult cons- consulting all the time yeah um and so i just need to know what that means in their mind like what their expectations are. Yeah. And I think, I think it would be good just thing. to see a contract so you can see what you maybe should be asking for and then what also Oh yeah. you could be adding to it. God, ugh, I hate how I undervalue myself so much. <laughs> you guys, I was telling Jaden, I met somebody and they work for a company in New York and they had mentioned that they were interested in consulting with me and they're like, well, how much would it be? I, I don't know if we have a budget. And I was like, well... I don't know, 35 an hour. And they're like, oh yeah. So I was like, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> they were expecting me to say like, I guarantee they were expecting me to say something like 75 to double. an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Double. Um, I, I, turn like that's everybody. I was talking to Ashley Buchanan once mm-hmm. about when she first started doing the craft craft market. And she was like, we were talking about like how uncomfortable it is for people to be interested in your work and wanting your work. And she was like, yeah, half of the time I was just wanting to be like, yeah, just take it with you. Like, I know I'm at a craft show and I should be selling it, but uh, you can just take it. It's okay. You know, oh, like, but I she know wasn't actually about. doing that, but that's how she felt. You know, I am trying to figure out our levels right now. Cause it seems weird. Now you talk Jaden. Okay. I'm going to talk. Okay. never mind. We're back. Back to normal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. Guys, I get paranoid. Um, so I'm in Richmond. You're in Richmond. I've never Have been here. Have you liked it so far? Well, I'm smitten, but, you know, because I went down the main strip. It's like... Did you uh, go down Monument or Broad? Broad. I think it was Broad. broad. Um, oh, because I met up with Susie Gonch and Kathleen Kennedy. Mm-hmm. And for Radical Joy Makeover. I had a carload of donations, which was cool. And then I got to see that for a hot minute. And then I just walked down the street. My first 
stop was Quirk. Because mm-hmm. um, I've never been to Quirk Gallery. So I went in, said hi to all my friends. Work, including yours. Yep. Oh, I love those brooches. Um, and then I went into the hotel because it's stunning. It's uh, crazy. It's it's weird if that it's here go, almost. You should go to have it for breakfast. Just okay. One, like Saturday, Sunday, just... It's just like super oh, nice. breakfast in the hotel? Yeah. Well, yeah. just like in that main lobby, anybody can go. Well, I had lunch there. Yeah. Yeah. I pulled like, right up to that bar and I was like, I'm just going to have myself this $16 burger. Yeah. Um, was it good? Yeah, it was delicious. Okay. Um, I was curious. <laughs> no. Yeah, it was oh, good. Um, you got to go to the rooftop. She did say, she's like, we have a rooftop. And I was in just like cutoffs and a t-shirt yeah. and feeling kind of grimy because I drove up here this morning and I was like, I don't know if I'm in like a rooftop bar kind of mode right now. Um, but but Rachel and Brian, we could go there. That's right. You guys, we're going to have a little mini reunion yeah, in Penland. Richmond. Pen, Penland reunion. Penland reunion. Brian Parnham, who's been on the podcast before. Rachel mm-hmm. Kettinger, who will be on the podcast eventually. And Jaden Moore. Um, yeah, so Jaden and I haven't seen each other in a couple of years, but we lived at Penland at the same time for I'm a hot minute. I think the last time. Pentaculum? No. Maybe, no, I saw you after that. that. Um, but it was at it Penland. It must have been some random Penland time when you it came up. probably was the core show yeah. when it was like Daniel and Brian and Rachel's first yep. year. That's mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Um, and Jaden was a resident artist. Jaden, how old are you? I'm 33. Or, sorry, I'm 32, going to be 33. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm older than you. I'm already like pushing it to say. That's really funny because I was a core fellow and you're a resident artist. And in my mind, it's like a big brother, little sister kind of thing. Yeah. Right. But could, it I'm, is that way. It is. I mean, because it should be the resident artists are f- further along and established in their careers, yeah. which you definitely are than me at that time for sure. And um, so then I always assume that you're older than me. But oh, hey, I'm yeah. a year older <laughs> than you. <laughs> it's it's all experience. Yeah. You know, like it's. You're doing this now, so like you're way <laughs> older than me in like podcasting world and like uh, making yeah. a living at doing all this stuff. Yeah, so. no, that's cool. Yeah, so it's cool to get to see you here. Um, I really wanted to talk to Jaden because if you guys don't know his work, um, how do we describe your work? It's, Give us as your elevator speech. My elevator speech is that I take old silver plated platters and I cut them up and make large sculpture out of them, and that mostly is because of my interest in how we commemorate objects or moments. So many of these uh, silver-plated objects were kind of reproductions and recreations of handmade objects from the 1800s, but because of how our consumer culture has changed, uh, we kind of still deem gleam value onto objects, no matter what they are. And then when I met you, it was a big deal because you were coming into the residency why I'd already been there and they're like yeah he's a metalsmith but then he's also a printmaker yeah <laughs> and so <laughs> you were making these and then you were making prints off of them yeah so I'm like a, a hack of a printmaker I, I feel like the only uh learning that I've done is from really good friends helping me along the way and like yeah. helping me print so I had a friend uh in grad school uh that I had my show with her name is Bryony Morrow Cribs and she helped me print um, and all the prints are from uh, the platters themselves. So I just cut them up and then ink them just like an intaglio print. So they're all stamped, but because of the stamping, you can just ink it like an intaglio. And then Jay Fox oh. really made me actually a good printmaker and not 
make everything <laughs> utterly dirty and gross. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, it's the same thing with podcasting. It's like you need that friend that knows what they're doing so they Oh yeah. You can fake it until totally. you like can stand on your own. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier that like yeah, it's just hacking it until you actually can make it somewhat your yeah. own. Yeah. You know? So So okay, so we're in Richmond. Jaden, where are you from? I'm originally from the Bay Area, California. Oh, we're just talking about West Coast boys because I find them so much more attractive than East Coast boys. <laughs> They're just so much calmer <laughs> and more relaxed and Maybe everything's cool. It. I don't know. Yeah. The bro thing is not. Oh, was, I don't know. what. How did that become a thing? I don't know. But I was telling him in Philly, there's a lot of bro-y guys. And yeah. that's not my vibe. Um, but yeah. Yeah, bros are... It's so awkward and uncomfortable. Yeah, I know, right? So Being a guy, I'm I feel awkward and uncomfortable next to bros. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, also, guys, visual. Jaden is a redhead, like true redhead. I feel like I don't meet that many redheads yeah, anymore. Full beard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that many people that were actually born in the Bay Area. Like it's just, it's just just like a transplant area. So yeah, often. I feel like a lot of people. It's mecca. Like it, every a lot of people like to go to the Bay mm-hmm. Area, and um, yeah, I left. When you like live there, you kind of have to. You gotta either you just buckle down and stay there, or you are there, or you want to leave. You know? Yeah. And I I love the Bay Area, but it's so expensive that it's hard to like move back. Oh you know? yeah. Yeah, I it's would crazy. See that. You're expensive. priced out of your own home. Totally. Are yeah. your parents still there? My mom lives in the East Bay, so it's a little bit more um, in suburbia. Okay. That's uh, where I was born and raised. Uh, and she's still there, and it's still, like, pricey, you know? Yeah. Like, um, and my dad lives in Southern California. Oh, okay. Yep. Oh, so you get to go back to West Coast for, like, holidays and yep. things like that? Oh, totally. that's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> I get to go to Iowa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're uh, lucky. You got that rolling hill game on the east side. Uh, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, thanks for pointing out yeah. the positives. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you were born there. Where did you go to? Do you Wait, I know you have an MFA. Where'd you go to undergrad? I went to undergrad at California College of the Arts. I stayed in... The oh, Bay San Area. Francisco. In Oakland. They have an Oakland branch that oh. they are slowly, I believe, closing in the next few years. But I went to Oakland um, because my aunt is the chair of the metals department there. Oh, that's right. Who is your aunt? Marilyn De Silva. Right. And my uncle's Jack, Jack De Silva. Jack De Silva. Yeah. yeah. So you got some like metalsmithing royalty in the blo- yeah, totally. <laughs> bloodline. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. I remember somebody telling me that and I was like, what? Okay. Yeah. Is that how you got into metalsmithing then? Because your aunt and uncle? A little bit. Yeah. I mean, they were showing me their work from when I was probably five to six years old. So I'd kind of see what they were working on. It was like, yeah. uh, you know, like Christmas and people, the family would be like, what are you working on? And they would pull out like all of these crazy things that they were just kind of messing around with. That's so um, cool. Yeah. So it was kind of nuts. And then that's, I should say that is actually why I'm a metalsmith because uh, <laughs> uh, my aunt actually got me into a pre-college program at California College of the Arts when I was 16. Oh, wow. um, she was kind of like, hey, if you're interested, they have this program. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've always known that you, she was like, you, I've always known you've been interested in art. Um, so, you know, pick whatever you want to and go. And so it was like a four week um, pre-college and I just chose metalsmithing and so actually two weeks in she would like came into the studio because it's her summer like she's not at school and yeah so she like came in and saw me and she's like you didn't have to take metals and i was like well i actually wanted to wanted to take it <laughs> you're like i'm yeah. actually here on my yeah. own accord yeah i'm here not because i felt like guilty that i should take this so that's so great and yeah. then 
the pre-course, so then you just went into undergrad. Yeah, totally went straight in. Um, because she worked there, did you get a discount? I she helped me get kind of scholarships to oh, go nice. there, so that helped out quite a bit. Because it's leave? a private school. Oh, um, ouch! So yeah, I thankfully was able to because of the scholarships mm-hmm. uh, she was able to get. It made it very discounted and in state, and then my parents helped. Oh, cool! Quite, uh, helped pay for undergrad and so then when since you were so close to home did you live at home during undergrad no I actually got this awesome uh time where uh my first year I stayed I lived with my cousin who was going to Berkeley okay Um, so I like my first year was really cool he's like pretty much like my brother um his name's David and he was going to Berkeley for philosophy um I I think it's utterly amazing uh he went to Berkeley for philosophy and now he makes wine um I just think that's like an amazing like California perfect (laughs) little ball um and he's doing great at winemaking but he was like my brother and helped me kind of become an adult you know yeah Uh, that's important and then I got this lucky uh uh, basement apartment uh, from family friends that I paid us very nominal rent, uh, thankfully, uh, and stayed there for three years by myself. I lived by myself for the three years okay. while yeah. I was an undergrad. So did you leave with, like, ballpark student loan debt? I had Dece- none. Okay. Yeah. That's a different thing. Yeah. I got, I'm super lucky. Yeah. And we're going to talk about this, but I have none. Yeah, we're going to talk about yeah. that. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. what do you do right after your undergrad? I uh, worked as a studio assistant for this guy named David Cole. He teaches mm. at California College of the Arts now, and he does the um, he does the jewelry production and art and jewelry history. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. CCA has this amazing group of teachers. They have like four, they have two full-time, like, um, jewelry professors, Curtis Rima and Marilyn, but then they have four to five, uh, like adjunct quote unquote, um, metalsmiths that are like usually teaching one or two classes a semester. Mm -hmm. Um, but they make enough and are doing other things alongside of it, Mm -hmm. um, that they can make ends meet and, and do that. And so it's like this amazing thing where all of the undergrads at CCA kind of get all of these different views of what it is to be a metalsmith in the yeah. Bay Area. And it's an expensive place to be, you know, doing both of those things. And it's also important to have that insight. Like, For sure. Like, oh, you want to graduate? Yeah. You know, make a living off this? Yeah, totally. Pay attention. <laughs> yeah. So, so he, David Cole, uh, was, um, He's a machinist. He did uh, like reproductions for Stanford Cathedral. Oh, that's um, fancy. Yeah, and then he was also doing uh, like high-end jewelry. Um, so I was his studio assistant for a whole year. Well, it was like two and a half years in total, but wow. a year after my grad school, I was with him and stayed, lived at his studio. It was very sweet and generous. Like it had a loft that I could like, like sleep in. Like you lived in it? Yeah, totally. Oh man, I lived in Aaron Galligan's studio for like yeah. three months. Yeah. <laughs> a little yeah. awkward when she had it, clients over and I was like going weird. to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, totally. I would like, like in my young age would be like just waking up for going to work and yeah. he'd be like coming in like probably already been up for a few hours and was like get up like waking me up like my boss like telling me as my alarm clock to get up and come down to work what an interesting experience that is yeah for sure it was like the weirdest thing and then like i would i would <laughs> clock out and then i'd like walk up to the loft and like sit there you know while he was still working in the studio it was like okay this is kind of weird but um yeah. how was it like bringing a girl back there oh i didn't i Ever. did not know how to do that at <laughs> yeah, all at that happen. age yeah 
Yeah. I was like such a oh nerd, gosh. like a metals nerd that just did not know what to do with himself. Oh, well, then you were perfect for that. Yeah, for sure. Like I must have been the most nice, like, oh, yeah, I'm just here hanging out watching TV. You know? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And so during all this, what was your work like? Like, what did you like to make? Oh, man, that's a really good question. I haven't been asked that question in a long time. Um, well, you I have was... such a distinct style now. So yeah. I'm like, how do you even get to that? Totally. That's yeah. such a uh, good question. I... um. I, at that point, was making oil cans. Like, I was making these, like, what? body of work that was all oil cans. And I think you're, once I tell you this, it'll kind of make sense why it, like, seems to, like, extend into the platters. Like, I was thinking about, I, I was thinking about the oil can as, like, this daily object that we use every day. And we take yeah. care of, like, our machines. I mean, I'm living in literally a machine shop, you know. And, yeah. like, how there are these, like, functional objects that, like, are supposed to take care of the object that take care of us. Yeah. You know, and like, I think that's kind of the platters too. Like they're these oh, domestic yeah. objects that are like meant for display and caring of mm-hmm. carrying of like the objects just to like have a nice meal or like having like a, a daily um, ritual of like tea. and Or an heirloom. Anything. Totally. Yeah. Exactly. So I was making these like, in undergrad, I was all over the place until my last year. I was making a lot of oil cans and I made like 10 to 15 of them. Yeah. It's funny out um when my grandfather passed away and it was the house I lived in so I had to clean it out and you know you can't take a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. We'll get into this cuz you lived a very transient lifestyle. Yep. So could you imagine if your parents passed away during that transient lifestyle? No I way. was like what am I going to keep? Yeah. Um and out of all the things, I kept a few things but I kept a tiny little oil can for my grandpa's workshop. Yeah, they're just so sweet. Like, There's just something attractive about them. They're like kind of like a, their own persona. Like yeah. I still have a little, I have an oil can collection of my own yeah. at home. That's like a little shelf that I've kept like 15 to 20 of them. It was like my only thing that I felt like I was, would give myself like the luxury to like collect. Do you um, know Dave Nido? Do you I do. Yeah, yeah. Penland guy for sure. Yeah. Oil can guy. Yeah, for have sure. You guys, did you guys bro down about I think we talked cans? about it briefly once. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, like oh my we like connect, you know, yeah. like I think Andrew Hayes and I talked about it once a little bit. It's like this um, weird cultish thing. Oil yeah. cans, y'all. Yeah, they're just so sweet. <laughs> so then um, what made you want to move out of the loft? <laughs> like yeah. how do you leave that situation? <laughs> so I think this is the value of like having an aunt and uncle as metalsmiths. Like they're oh, yeah. kind of like, you know, here are the options of like what you could do next. And so... Oh, yeah that year that I was uh, already, that I was doing the assistant professorship. Sorry. We're drinking beer, so we're burping. Yeah, it's a little, little <laughs> nice little stomach situation. Um, I had already been applying to grad school when I, when oh, I was okay. there. And so what was cool is uh, because my boss was so awesome, he, like, I left for a few weeks and went out. My dad was living in Kentucky at the time, so I used mm-hmm. his house as a hub to go look at grad schools before applying. Oh. Um, and then I was able to then kind of choose which ones I wanted to apply to and then uh, went to and then chose and then went to Wisconsin. Oh, you went to Wisconsin? Yep. Yeah, so you didn't spend that much time between undergrad and grad school. No, I wish I had l- taken a year or two more. Yeah. I was pretty young. Like at this point, I, I went into grad school at 23, so I only had one year off. Oh, Jesus. Um, 23, yeah. Uh, and I think I still just didn't like... I was talking to you before we started the podcast that I felt yeah. like I was always like 
go, go, go. Like I was like, okay, next, next step in the career, next step in the career that I didn't really know what to do with myself once I went into grad school. And that's when you're supposed to be like learning what you want to do yourself, you know, like in your work, you know, like, yeah, you're taking classes and you have teachers that are there. That's what they're trying to do is push you in the direction that you want to go. Um, and so my first year was pretty rough because like, I just didn't didn't know, know who the heck I was. And I was living in a different state and that kind of thing. So very wish, different climate, very yeah. different cultures totally. in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been, to, I've been to Madison. I don't know what's yeah. up. It's a, it's a cool town, but yeah, it was definitely a lot more snow, a lot more, <laughs> uh, less, um, daylight because of, the oh, winter yeah. time, totally. I had no idea about that. De- and that seasonal depression is very real there. Oh, for sure. Especially mm-hmm. when you're like, uh, first semester down and you're still like, You've lived on West Coast time for your whole life. Mm-hmm. So you're going to bed at like two or three in the morning still. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then waking up at like noon and yeah. then the sun leaves at like four and you have to like, you only get like two or three hours of like actual daylight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You start to feel like a vampire. Yeah, you do. So, and then who were your Lisa ground next there? Mm-hmm. Who and else was there? Kim Kreidler was there at the time. Oh my God. Um, yeah, she went, such she's a crush on her work. She's, uh, as great as the work she's so so utterly sweet and kind and like true midwestern hard worker caring person you know it's funny i saw her speak somewhere i can't remember oh my god was it at penland for an artist talk because i feel like she taught there was she did maybe she did a one-week class while i was there i feel like because i've seen her talk and um I remember somebody asking her about this and she said, you know what? Like, I love my students, no offense, but teaching drains me. And it makes me, the way that she was so honest about how she resented having to teach because of of the way that it affected her as an artist. I was like, thank God somebody's saying this. (laughs) And I I think that resentment isn't, it isn't like, uh, from what I gather from Kim, she, um, she cares so much about everything she does that she couldn't not give it all and, yeah. it, and it like really wore out. So she had like family studio and teaching and it was just like so many different, like it was a hundred percent for each one of them, which is not real, not possible. I mean, yeah. you were just talking to me about that where yeah. I was like, I feel like a bad podcast mom because I think this is going to be the third week almost in a row that I've worked overtime for my job yeah. and um, it's taking an effect and you can see it like, I haven't published an episode in yeah. far too long. Yeah. <laughs> and but it's like life happens. Yeah. You know? And you, I was, I was like, I just, I started trying to go to the gym twice a week and that has really <laughs> affected my productivity yeah. in the studio. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'll get to this maybe further along, like being here in Richmond, like, and being a full-time studio artist, like trying to find a balance of that. Oh. Um, I think, cause I, th- I do think there's this, culture in art making and probably in just America in general, like where you're supposed to like work nonstop and that's how you get things done. Oh my God. I've been researching that a lot. I am so over this like busy culture. Yeah. And it's like, I've taken a little bit more time for myself lately and Mm -hmm. my mental health has gotten better, which has made my time in the studio better. Like it's like, Oh, I actually like truly enjoy being here and want to try stuff and experiment Mm -hmm. and like, um, being a full-time studio artist, like it gets really scary if you like fail on something or if yeah. it doesn't work or if it doesn't sail, et cetera, et cetera. But it's been much nicer to be like, I'm going to take the day to like try this thing. And if it doesn't work, it's fine. You know, like it's okay. I, I at least like tried it, you know? Oh, I love that. We're going to yeah. circle back to that yeah. because I, 
I mean, I don't know if you've ever gone down the rabbit hole of Googling about that, like America, busy culture, how busy is a status symbol yeah. these days? Ugh, totally. Wolf. Yeah. Um, so you hit your stride eventually in grad school, right? Yeah. So I uh, was making trophies in my second year of grad school. Um, and so it was kind of this like first like commemorative object of metal, right? Like, yeah, I was like, make, how very yeah. grad school of you. <laughs> totally. It was like, like, okay. <laughs> not going to lie. Not the best one I've ever done. <laughs> yeah, totally. It was like, um, I, I didn't say this prior, but a few people know this, that like, I come from a family of tombstone makers. So, what? Yeah. You did not say that prior. Yeah. And that <laughs> is amazing. Also, yeah. damn tombstones. When my mom died and I had to buy a tombstone, they're expensive. I almost passed out when they were yeah. like, here's the cheapest option, which then you feel like an asshole totally. because you're trying to like, and they come with like all of this stuff, like wherever you're burying them. Yes. I think we'll get into it, but I think it's all a racket and I'm still pissed about yeah, it. Yeah. I, I, I don't find myself leaning towards like having <laughs> You're not a going to the family I don't business. Think that's what's going to happen. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sidetrack guys. But, but yeah, I, um, I wanted to make like a commemorative object, like the tombstones, but yeah. in my own material. So I started making trophies, mm-hmm. um, and then found, out the trophy's history begins with table service wear. Like that's the first gifts was teapots for like retiring and platters for, you know, like, Aww. okay, you don't have to work anymore here. Sit down and enjoy serve, serve some yourself tea. something. Exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like that a lot. Totally. So then I started making trophies out of table service wear. And that's when I started collecting all the silver plated platters, which we are like, surrounded by right now oh damn also you guys yeah the studio is so fun to be in visually (laughs) and i'm going to first of all blow up my instagram after this and then take all the pictures and keep sharing so yeah it looks way more valuable than it actually is it's like silver plated (laughs) like it looks like whoa this guy has so much silver like yeah how does he buy all this stuff it's it's super cheap on ebay i do love and this is something where my training through an apprenticeship and then a craft school I have never given myself the time and space to research something and dig into it mm-hmm. to get to where you're at, right? Because it's like, oh, oh, we thought of just like cutting up platters and re-putting them together. Yeah. But it's like knowing how you got there and the intention behind it and the story and the concept just it's incredible. Totally. Well, first of and all, they're like, also beautiful. So yeah. there's that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I <laughs> I feel like the um like the fine chefs that are just like, give me the ingredients and I'll just like cut them up and I'll, yeah. I'll serve them to you. They're already really pretty. Like <laughs> I'm not doing very much, um, but uh, I don't know where I was going with that. Well, I was talking about how understanding the research and how you got to oh, that, yeah. like the how gradual it like moved along. Yeah, totally. Like, and I think like there's so many things that play into what you finally come to, right? Like, yeah. like there was like like the prints. I usually tell people I feel like are my childhood doing rubbings of the tombstones. Like that was my Mm. idea of like, Oh, like I want to take like a, a final snapshot of like this object before I destroy it. Right. So then I just started inking it, you know, like, and so I think there's always like, I think just grad school, but there's so many other things like just sitting in your studio all day can do that too. Like Mm -hmm. reading a book, you know, like how those little things can kind of start to like, add together accumulate to create something really really amazing well i I was trying to stress that in this uh i mean i start to sound like a broken record but i did this workshop at ecu called all work is studio work because Mm -hmm. i feel like there's too much of this like get in studio and just make 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 but we artists have a hard time giving ourselves the time and space and permission to 
go to a art gallery or not even an art gallery. Just go to the freaking mall and walk yeah. around to get inspiration or read a book or anything like that where you're not physically making something, but it's informing you. Yeah. I just read the book bird by bird. I can't remember. who. Oh, she, I, yeah. She talks about that all the time. <laughs> like just call somebody, you know, well, and like talk to them about their day and that may inform you spurn th- something. Yeah, it really does. I'm Amy Rufert who I took a glass class at Penland actually put that on the syllabus of us to buy that book and read it. Yeah. Um, and I still have it. Yeah. It's awesome. It's like a super quick read. Too. It is a super quick read bird by bird guys. Yeah. Get that book. Yeah. Um, so that's exciting. It sounds like grad school, although you went into it really quickly worked out for you. Yeah. I had this really funny experience in my between first and second year. Mm-hmm. I, I had a really rough first year and then my second year I kind of was like, I'm just going to go back and I'm going to try to get as much out of it as possible and try as hard as I can. And if it doesn't work, then, you know, I'll find find something else, you know, like I'll figure that I'll figure this out. Yeah. And I think that mentality like helped out so much. And I Mm -hmm. went back and started working on the trophies and then started doing this platter work and, and that kind of just snowballed into the last like six, five to six to seven years. I don't even remember now. So Jaden is, a sweet, wonderful human. Like you meet him and it's, I don't know anybody that could hate you. I mean, (laughs) I tried. (laughs) He's definitely one of those artists where it's like, you want to hate him because of all he's gotten to accomplish and do. And you're just like, what? And then you meet him and you're like, I love him. Um, you have kicked some major ass since grad school. So when I looked at your resume, the first line was a fellowship, but that was at the grad school. I feel like it was like yes. Wisconsin. So money wise for you, uh, I got a fellowship at Wisconsin. So that funded my grad school. And that's why I don't have any oh. debt. Did you get that going in or did yeah. you get that halfway? I got oh. that going in. And so they have a, they have a couple, I mean, big 10 schools have a, have a notoriety for kind of fully funding. Oh yeah. Clancy teaches there now and he talks uh, yeah. a lot of money in that school. Totally. Wow. So that helped out a ton. Well, of um, course. So that was my first kind of like big help. Did you um, have to do anything for that? Like teach so or? No, no. Like that <laughs> was, it was uh, they have, Wisconsin has two that they give out. I think at that time, yeah. they had two different things. They had one for minorities and they had one for GPA based. And so oh, okay. uh, I feel like I got super lucky and was like, I went to private art school and now I have a really good GPA because mm-hmm. like I went to private art school. <laughs> um, so I lucked out with that. Um, and then, the, so the first and third year I didn't have to do anything and I got a stipend uh, and then tw- full tuition re- remission. And then my yeah. second year I worked, um, I was a tech for um for the glass studio because like it was like in my contract that they had to get me a job um but they didn't have to um it was just kind of whatever they needed filling so then i worked uh i got a smaller uh stipend but then got tuition remission so i worked for i was a glass coordinator weirdly enough but did not know much about glass (laughs) at all That's amazing. Yeah. So then, so then you graduate. Then I graduated and uh, got the residency at Houston Center for Contemporary Craft. And I know a lot of folks have gotten that residency. It's an awesome one. It is. Yeah. I mean, I I know it is. I I've been told you have to be in your studio like what twenty five hours a week. Twenty four. Twenty four. Yeah. Oh, twenty four. Okay. I think that was when maybe they bumped. I it think up. they bumped it up to twenty five. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I do know that when I've talked to people, the hardest part about it is that you have to get your own housing. Yep. 
Um, and with that, like you only have to be in studio 24 hours, week, 25, yeah. four, whatever, but you do have to pay rent. Totally. And so they give you a pretty good stipend, which at that time almost paid for my house. It was just the headache of trying to find an apartment. Oh. I lived in a not so great apartment in Houston. Um, so it <laughs> so made, your stipend would cover it. Yeah. It was okay. pretty darn close. Um, and then, uh, so, and then I worked as a, I worked at Trader Joe's for 40 hours a week. So, oh, you did? Yeah, I did? And they give you health insurance there. I heard yeah. they're really good benefits. It was awesome. Uh, I don't know if it's changed, but uh, at the time it was, uh, if you work 20 hours a week, you got full health care. I do know that because I lived across the street from one in Seattle and it was like, that job was hard to get. It's magical. Yeah. yeah. Good on you, Trader Joe's. And then not to mention you're working there. Their food is good. Food's good. And Cheap. It's totally true that if, any customer wants to try something, they will open the bag for you. Whoa, hold up. For sure. Yeah, I've I'm going to give heard. you some Trader Joe's deets right All now. right, Jaden, yeah. laid it on us. <laughs> so the, the rule is, is, you know, like if you want to have some chips, you can go up to a Trader Joe's employee and be like, hey, uh, can I try these? They will open the bag for you uh, and you can try them. And here's the thing. You don't need to feel guilty because what's going to happen is you're going to have five of them and then it's going to go in the back and the whole crew is going to eat the rest of those bags. This is amazing. Yeah. Honestly, I think for the rest of my life, whenever I go into Trader Joe's, I'm just going to open one or two things so I can be like, you're welcome. Yeah, totally. You're just making everybody happy. Oh my God. I love that. Yeah. And they used to like give us lunches and dinners like all the time usually they want all their crew to be tasting whatever they're making so yeah like store closes at nine and they would cook something like from frozen or something like that because so they always have that section where you can sample things yep and so that becomes like the crew table so you can like taste whatever you want to so you can like tell whoever's coming in all the customers what yeah. what's good what's not Okay, Trader Joe's. Yeah. I see you. Totally. Mm -hmm. Last thing I'll tell you about Trader Joe's. Yes, I think this is the other thing that everybody wants to know about. (laughs) I do want to know. Is uh, a one bell. Oh, yeah, the the bell. I don't know what the bells. One bell is that they want another cashier. Okay, that I know. I mean, I've seen that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Second bell is that they want a crew member to help them. So the cashier just wants like another bag of salad or something like that. Like they want some kind of transfer or change or want somebody to go get something. Third bell is a manager so that they can fix something on the register or something like that. Nice. Okay. Now we know. know. Any other like things that we need to know about? Mm, Anything else? Uh, Good stuff is... I always like the chocolate-covered peanut butter pretzels. Those are, like, the best. Oh, yeah. Well, <clears throat> That's totally. pretty easy. They always have, like, seasonal, like, little mini chocolate, like, cakes. Like, it'll mm-hmm. be, like, an egg or something, which is perfect size for a single gal like myself. Yep. And they always have, like, a layer of cream in them. God damn, love those. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Trader Joe's. Yeah, they got good stuff. I really was spoiled when I lived in Seattle because I literally was across the street. Yeah. So I'd be like, oh, I forgot a lemon, and I'd just run over and grab one. Yeah. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, like, at, at the end of the night, we'd also, like, you crew gets to buy whatever they need to while they're still at work Do real quick. Do you get quick. a discount? No. I don't oh, think okay. there was a discount. Maybe you know what? there is. I'm not, even, I'm not even mad at that because yeah. there's so many other benefits. I think there might have been a discount. Maybe I can't like remember now. One? It's been Who a while. Knows? Yeah. So you're, in, so you're in grad school. You finished, but you got went Trader to Houston. Joe's. Oh, yep. yeah. I went to Houston. Um, and I loved that residency because it was like a really nice way to get into a different region mm-hmm. and like talk to people that, you know, like I had been in the West, I had been in the Midwest. And so getting to know people, you know, in the South and like learning like a whole new culture, but then also like the 
the Houston Center for Contemporary Craft is right next to Museum of Fine Arts Houston. So I was mm-hmm. able to connect with them a little bit and Glacelle School of Art. So I was able to kind of oh, wow. like catch up with people and like learn about a whole new group of people that were making and doing stuff. I also got really lucky that Inseca went there at the same Oh, year. that's amazing. Because so that's like, like 30,000 plus it, people all of a sudden. Yeah, it's crazy amount of people. They're huge. Yeah, and it's so like they had their big show at the, at the center. Okay. Um, I always feel uncomfortable calling it the center because it seems like a psych ward but um (laughs) but yeah uh it was like hundreds of people like just cope like filling the the place and we had like open studios so like more people got to see you talk to people and get to know them and then from there i got the fellowship at virginia commonwealth university yes and who's the gallerist you actually introduced me to the gallerist from hcc suzanne um it was somebody that you had worked with there. You introduced me Catherine to Catherine Hall. Yeah, Catherine. Yeah. Catherine's great. She's and a curator she, now. She's a curator now. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I can't remember why you introduced me to her, but it was something I was trying to do. Some project back in the day. But mm. we, you connected us, and I was like, oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. I she's, love when people connect people. It's we were talking hard. about that earlier. We yeah. love... Connectors. It's the best part of like any conference. Well, it's, it's also important. It's just like helping people get to know people that they... Th- what we think would be great together. Yeah. And it's not hard to do. Mm-mm. Like, I feel like th- I've been really fortunate to be in these positions where I've gotten to meet so many people. So my web is pretty big. Yeah. With Penland and yeah, I'm and sure if I can just pull somebody Philly. in and like connect them, like why not? Doesn't yeah. take much. And people are really hungry and yeah. to get that connection. Yeah, if, if the biggest thing that you're doing at any conference is, uh, helping people's lives get easier, that seems pretty, pretty darn good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you got, oh, how long was yours? Because Houston Center, and you guys, um, I mean, I'll probably do an interview with somebody. Jaden's done a lot of different residencies, so we're not going to go super into the details of all of them. Also, if you're interested in them and you're too lazy to, like, look it up on their website, good luck to you. Um, so, Is it tough? No. Oh, no. It's really easy okay. to find this information. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, we're not going to go super into it. <laughs> I got super confused for a second. I was like, oh, is it really tough? No, that's what I'm saying. Because <laughs> um, I want to cover a lot with you. But yeah. um, I do want to say, were you, they do weird ones. It's like six Three, months. six, nine, and 12. I did the 12. Of course you did the 12. You got the 12. Yeah. Because I, I was, I don't like breaking leases. I've never broken a lease in my whole life. Well, do you get to choose how long you do it? I thought you get You told. write it down in the application. Oh, okay. Like what your pre- preferences are. Oh, that makes sense. And so I was like, one year. I'm going to be there. <laughs> I live by leases. This yeah. is how we do this. Totally. Um, so then you applied for and this one I do want to go into a little bit more because I think it is pretty prestigious and everybody I've known that has anything to do with it are total badasses Mm. um so what was it it's a fountainhead yeah it's called the fountainhead fellowship okay um and it's a program that's been around for I think about eight or nine years now okay um and it's uh for people who have been out of grad school for five years I believe but you weren't out of grad school for five years. Yeah, so under. So anybody oh, within under five within years five of years being out of grad school. school. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so what's awesome about it is it's uh, you get a apartment for free that you get to live in. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, and then you teach um, two classes a semester. At that time, nice. that's what I and and you get a stipend for that, and it's usually a um, a little bit more than adjunct pay. I can't remember. Okay. Um, they've changed it since I had it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, uh, and then the last perk is that you have a show in town and they, uh, set up that show. And so, um, 
I moved here in, I think, 2013? 2013. 2013. I remember it from Man, your resume. Keep, keeping that memory. <laughs> um, so I moved Lurked here in you. 2013 and was here for the year. And that was, like, really awesome because it gave me teaching experience, which I had had, like, I taught at a junior college in yeah. Houston for, like, one or two classes. Um, but then, um, so I didn't really have much jewelry. I taught, I taught a pre-college class at California College of the Arts over the summers. Yeah. Um, but this was my first, like, hey, I'm at VCU and I'm actually teaching, like, an intro to metals class and an advanced metals class. I think that's so important because I remember being really shocked. Um, my very first episode, The Adjunct Hustle with yep. Emily Cobb. Yep. Um, I was like, it's a catch-22. Totally. Like, you you have to have an MFA, and you have to have X amount of teaching experience to start teaching. Yep. And so you're kind of forced into adjuncting, but even adjuncting, they want you to have experience. Totally. And they want... That's the hard part, is like, you need somebody who's going to, like, give you you a little bit of time. Yeah. So I taught at a junior college, and I taught, like, art appreciation. Okay. You know, and I taught, like, 3D design or something like that. And Mm -hmm. so I got, like, a year of experience there. And then I had this that then gave me that two years of experience because it was like, I didn't need to have the, the full two years of experience when I did this. Well, so. it seems like the intention is really smart like yeah. to give you that totally. and give you like this. Um, what do they call that? Like a kickboard kickoff. Yeah. <laughs> what <is> that? Springboard. <laughs> That's the word. Yeah, there we go. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you need a springboard. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. What was that? A, uh, because it is prestigious. So what is that application like? Uh, the application was, I think, pretty typical. It was a resume, CV, a statement, and it was 20 images, I think. And then I think you did need to have student work. So that was the mm. other trick. And thankfully, oh. I had the pre-college class. So I was able to have like a, a few. Like It wasn't like you had to have college level or anything like that. But yeah. I thankfully had a bunch of... Um, the pre-college class. Well, that's good to know because I don't think a lot of people would have that. Yeah. And at the time they were also wanted like a syllabus and I think they've changed that since, since then, but they wanted a syllabus of a, like a class that you would teach. And Mm. that was usually like an intro metals class. Like how would you approach it? Yeah. Did they bring you in on campus for interviews or anything like that? No. So yeah, it was just a very quick, um, yeah, it was like a, at that time, they were taking in two applicants at a time, and they're down to one. Oh. Um, but yeah, it was just apply, and then they asked you to see if you wanted to come. And it's a year, so you didn't have to break a lease. Nope, totally. You didn't even have to pay for you that lease. You get me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, my dad I, my dad always says that like he's such a rule follower, and I feel similarly sometimes where I'm like, oh, it's not normal to break a lease, but everybody's like, yeah, it totally happens all the time. Yeah, um, yeah so you. it was like nine months Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was nine months, but then the lease was with VCU. So, um, yeah. and then, uh, then I got the Penland residency. Okay. So the thing about you is that you're always thinking ahead, right? Because it seems bit. like really smooth transitions, which is not an easy deal when you're in the residency hustle. No, it's super uncomfortable. Uh, there's always like that weird month or two where yeah. you're waiting to move to somewhere. It's super uncomfortable because like, it's like right when you get somewhere, you're supposed to start looking. Damn. You know, and so like you get like three or f- you get like that jolly three or four months of being like, hey, this is where I live now and I'm trying to figure it out. And then it's like, OK, what what applications should I be applying to? <laughs> you, you can't know? really like really be in the moment. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, yeah. So I think um, I just kind of just kept applying to things and yeah. not really knowing what was going to happen. But hoping. Um, but hoping. Um, I think 
we, the fellowship here mm-hmm. um, was my first time that I had moved a couple of times and then it felt like, oh, the city's kind of nice. Like I actually could see myself living here. So yeah. when I applied to Penland um, and I was such good friends with Susie um, that I was kind of like, well, I could either stay here, but I'm going to throw this application out to Penland and <laughs> oh, see, yeah. Just see how, see how that it goes. Out. <laughs> yeah. And I know about the residency for a long time, but um, I had talked to Vivian Beer about it. Um, oh, okay. a long, long time ago. And she had kind of, uh, ta- told me like how intense and magical it is, but also yeah. how intense it is, how intense you know? It is, yeah. Um, so I was a little bit nervous about it. So I wasn't quite, when I turned to my application and was kind of like, I don't know if I really want this yet, but I'm, I'm really curious. And I think it would be that like leap of mm-hmm. like, okay, now I'm living on a subsidized, you know, like magical mountain, but I have to make my you like, have to make it work. I have to make it work. Yeah, you, you know? have and to I literally don't... make your money off your work. Yeah, and I don't know how that's going to look, but I'm just going to maybe go for it. So, oh. so I applied and got it. Um, Did you then... have any downtime in between, like VCU and that? Do you go home? Like, what do you do? In those so times? the application was due in December, or January. So, and then I knew by February, and oh. so then I had like six months to like prepare to leave because that was the first we uh andrew annie Eve, andrew hayes annie evelyn mercedes jelinek and i were the first group that all came in at the same oh month. i remember that when they changed that yeah. yeah so that was like um that was new and so that was kind of like oh so we have like six months to kind of figure what we're gonna do um and so i was still here and I was teaching, so I didn't really think about it quite a bit. And then that yeah. summer was pretty like intense. It was like, um, I just remember kind of like, uh, I was I actually started working at Trader Joe's again for the summer. Yeah, and, in Richmond? Did in you stay Richmond. in Richmond? Okay. Yeah, totally. And then I would like come, I, would, uh, I was on night shift, so I'd come home at like 11 o'clock and I would get into bed and then I'd be like, oh shit, like I don't have a table to like saw. Like I would just like, I didn't have any furniture because I'd been moving so much. And so yeah. I would literally be like, oh yeah, tomorrow I got to like figure out what the hell I'm going to cut on. Like, and so like I was just trying to figure out what tools I was going to be bringing to Penland oh, just yeah. to like make the, um, the residency work. So the table we're actually sitting at for this podcast is uh, a table top that Susie gave me. That's, and it's then lovely. I like yeah, <laughs> and then a VCU uh, cabinets that thankfully they let me take for free. Oh, that's so And funny. that was like my first furniture that I was like okay yeah I can <laughs> I, I can at least table. cut things <laughs> oh my gosh that's so funny yeah so when you finished the fellowship you had to move out of that housing so did you just find like a temporary sublet yeah I luckily uh, Lee helped let me stay in her house for as like a like in her spare bedroom apartment mm-hmm. for like a month thankfully like I had barely barely any money yeah um yeah and I was just trying to save up as much as possible at Trader Joe's and just that's doing awesome. that until yeah I moved that's what I mean that's how I ended up living in Aaron Galligan's studio slash yeah. business because yeah. she's like oh you have nowhere to live <laughs> for two months so yeah good friends this. just literally being like hey it's okay well, I yeah, got you yeah because they've done the residency hustle or whatever yeah. so they get it for sure and, and then you moved to Penland yeah and the funny story about Penland was I had never been there before oh my god so All right. Leslie, Leslie was like <laughs> Call, Leslie Noel, the director of the residence, kept calling me and being like, "Can you come down, like, just to check it out to make sure you'll be." <laughs> She's happy afraid here. that you'll like curve that like road and like come around the bend and be like, "Oh no, yeah, never I'm mind." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I honestly think that's what she was like utterly worried about, and yeah. so I was like, 
finally I was working at Trader Joe's for so long that I couldn't leave. Yeah. Like I was working 40 hours just to save. And I was like, Leslie, I'll figure it out. Like I'll make it, I'll make it work. Trust and me. I'm yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. And I moved and pulled up and had no idea where anything was or that kind of stuff. Well, yeah. You had nowhere else to go anyway. So you yeah. kind of had to. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's funny because I feel like at that point, did you even, cause you do get like a small apartment there. Yep. So you had to have a bed. Yeah. I did have a bed thankfully. And you probably needed like, like when I left Penland, I didn't even have silverware. Yeah. I had, I had silverware. I had enough cause I left, I had like my grandmother's silverware, like, you know, like mm. stainless steel stuff. So I had enough stuff kind of held together yeah. of like bare necessities, but I showed up at Penland with, uh, this work table, yeah, a bed and a table. Oh yeah. Yeah. I didn't have a couch. I didn't have anything. That's and so funny. it went like that for a long, way too long. <laughs> I don't remember you hosting much, so no, that's fine. Did, I didn't host until like my second or third year because then I finally bought a couch <laughs> and, and a coffee like, table that people could sit at. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, so something I did want to talk about with you and because I feel like it's such the aspect of this is like you are very um, acclimated acclaimed it's oh, acclaimed yeah. the word is acclaimed you guys i woke up at 5 30 a.m leave <laughs> yeah. me alone um my girlfriend always says adjacent professor instead of adjunct <laughs> which i think is oh really my God, good she's one of me yeah. we're in the same tribe um it's easy to look at all these things that you get right and it is it's super mm. impressive the hustle like going from the fountainhead to hcc you know people try for years to get those yeah. positions and never get them so good on you for getting them thank you um in i feel consecutive pretty darn lucky order yeah um but the toll that that takes on you personally is something that i don't feel like a lot of people talk about yeah we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording that like I actually felt like Penland was my time to like figure out who the heck I wanted to be because it was mm -hmm. it had been so um stop like um break your, stop I, every single time like I was just yeah. kind of jumping and going and your um, identity is tied to those experiences totally and my identity was like pretty much my work like it was just like yeah. try to make more work you know like just keep making you know and so Penland would give me like a time to actually like sit down and kind of be like, well, how do I want my life to be connected to this? And also like, how do I want my career to kind of grow or like, um, more specifically, like more enjoyment in the studio, you know, like yeah. I think I was enjoying making, but it was slowly kind of disappearing mm -hmm. because I was like, oh, I, well, I just got to get on to the next thing. Like I got to start working on the next thing because I don't want to miss those opportunities. And I feel like when you come out of grad school, like you just want to say yes to everything. Oh, yeah. And that's super important. But then at some point, like there's only so many things you can do in a day and then you're stressed out. Yeah. My friend Lauren always says, you know, Lauren, yep. like say yes until you can say no. Yep. And this year has been me trying to say no yeah. because, um, because I am running myself ragged. Yeah. And that's not fun. No, totally. And I think, like I maybe said earlier, like, um, then your mental, like, capacity, like, starts to fall out. And mm -hmm. so then when you start to be able to say no to stuff, you can actually, like, gain some more excitement about being in the studio and more enjoyment in the work. How was your, like... I lost a lot of friends. I didn't lose a lot of friends, but I got really disconnected when I moved from Seattle to Penland. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of those friendships never really recovered, mm. right? Because you, you get into these situations where there's, um, you're fully immersed in them, right? So your yeah. friends become the person down the hallway at the studio or whatnot. And 
I had a hard time keeping up with relationships outside of whatever experience I was in. Yeah. Um, did you experience that? Like, who are your best friends? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> I feel like a lot of my best friends are the people who were on that same train, you know, and that we yeah. could commiserate with each other about like working very, very hard, you know? Mm-hmm. So I feel like, um, I do regret losing friends along the way. Um, my best friends are like, uh, I feel like, uh, people at Penland were so paramount, you know, mm-hmm. like Jay yeah. Fox, the print coordinator, you know, all of those coordinators, I feel like really close to, I don't feel like I talked people to that them. worked at the school guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like I talked to them nearly as much as I want to. Yeah. Um, but I also feel like they're just as busy. So we're mm-hmm. able to not stress about each other. And I think Penland made, made so many great contacts. Like I was actually talking to Rebecca Henderson. She's a, Oh my God. I, I yeah, know Rebecca. I had weird. this like amazing night in Charlotte dancing on tabletops with her and Jay Fox. She is, she is magical. She's magical. She's so great. And somebody who is such a hustler and Mm -hmm. like trying and experimenting with so many things. Um, And that's like somebody I didn't ever think I would be friends with just because like I was such a metalsmith making metal stuff, you know, like to then get to like have this awesome printmaker come into my life, you know, was, is magical. Um, I have a lot of grad friends that, you know, metals grad friends and people that were just as hardworking. You got Um, many friends that aren't printmakers or metalsmiths. See, that's the problem. You know, like, <laughs> I'm testing you. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, dig, like, dig harder. Yeah, I know. And I think that's... Ceramicists don't count either. Don't yeah, go there. Yeah, I know. That's my girlfriend. <laughs> I guess I can't I go know. there. I know. That's why I meant to... I was like, no. Yeah. Um, I think that's like one of my hopes is in Richmond is like to keep growing those, like evolving yeah. the ones I already have and then growing more because I think that, has, that can be really trying, you know? Well, also, I think we can relate to this where... I haven't seen you in a few years, yeah. but I have such a feeling of comfort with you immediately yeah. because this experience that we had living in places. Totally. And even tonight, um, Brian Parnum and yep. Rachel Kettinger, who we've all lived at Penland, they're coming in town tonight. And I was like, this is going to feel like a little family reunion yeah. for me. And I think that's the important part is like stopping and enjoying those times Yeah. instead of like, oh, they're coming in, but I'm super busy. And you know, like you got to enjoy that. I've also found that I am able to jump back into a relationship very quickly now from this experience of being really transient. Do you know you're shaking your head? Totally. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Like I think, um, your intimacy can switch on and off again really quickly. And I think like what's crazy about these craft schools is like, you know, those they're two weeks long, but like people have these like long, um, passionate friendships that grow out of these things, you know, like, yes. I mean, when you, I, I wish that people could live at Penland for like a solid two or three months mm-hmm. just to see like how, um, typical it becomes like, well, it's like a Petri dish dish, oh everything, God. but it's amazing just so to watch fast. people just be like, Oh my God, we're kindred spirits. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I'm so happy for you guys that you are kindred spirits, but we just saw this happen like two weeks ago with like other people came in. Well, we can't, I mean, I don't want to be a broken record, but there is a podcast. Who did I do this with? Where we talked about the evolve, how a two week evolves. Like the first day everybody mm. meets each other, a little shy first day of school yep. by like Wednesday, 
you're finding your best friend or your crew by Friday or like best friends for life or you're falling in love. Yep. Totally. Um, and then by like Monday, Tuesday, it's heartbreak because you know the end is near. Yeah, and, and you gotta you gotta like separate yourself before you get too hurt. Yes. Oh my yep. God. Yeah. It happens. It's Groundhog Day, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it happens all the time. Yeah. No. Yeah. Totally. And you you have all the value in the world to to have those moments, but mm-hmm. it's really funny to get to watch over and over again. And I wonder what this experience of jumping from residencies in positions like this that can isolate you mm-hmm. would have been like before really heavy social media. Yeah, that's a really good question. Because I, my first Instagram posts are from the day that I moved to Penland. Huh. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. My first Instagram was right at the end of grad school. Okay. So I started in on Instagram like, and then kind of had it yeah. through all of the residencies, but I don't think it was like as huge, you know? Like well, there was it, Facebook before that, totally. but you know what I mean. Yeah, I, social media is a weird beast that I don't quite understand yet. Did we talk about this when I... Because when I walked up, I saw Lee Suggs, and I was like, "Oh my God, Lee Suggs!" Yeah. Well, first of all, oh God, her work is me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the same thing. We hugged each other, and it's like we actually haven't met in person or hugged each other before, but we felt like we knew each other. Yeah, for sure. Like I wonder, I had to ask that back to you. Like you know, hmm. you were talking about how like you you're this is part of your like the podcast, right? Like is oh, like yeah. kind of like putting out you know what's going on and all that stuff. But like I'm I it sometimes feels like it's just posting for posting's sake, you know, and mm-hmm. I don't quite know how to, I still don't quite know how to live with technology and like social media. I I mean, I feel like everybody, I, t- I, I rarely meet somebody that's like, I love social media and it's yeah. great. And it's great for my mental health. You know, my therapist was like, oh, you want to have a bad day? Look at Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, and I think that's the double-edged sword of it. Yeah. You know, it can be really difficult. Yeah. Like I want to use it as a tool rather than a mess of like, uh, fear and worry and all and that anxiety. stuff. Yeah. I do know I am addicted really hard, yeah. you know, and I've been doing a lot of research about that, but I know from because of this period of time where I was so disconnected mm-hmm. and, and in that same period of time, both my parents passed away. Yeah. So that's like a double whammy of coming out of this transient lifestyle and trying to like make a new home like yeah. Philly, you know, I've been there. August will be three years. I haven't lived anywhere for three years in a long time. Um, And in that time, because of this, I have really become attached to social media Mm -hmm. and connecting with people through that. Yeah. And it's, I'm trying to figure out ways to like get back into reality. Yeah. It's like an amazing tool that can connect you with people. Then it does feel like most of the time it makes you feel like you're missing out. Well, it simultaneously isolates you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm hoping to use it more as just like a, hey, let's get together, you know, like yeah, because the conversations in person are so much. Uh, Paul Saccharides, I was talking to Paul mm-hmm. one day while I was at Haystack, and he's the director of Haystack, guys. Yeah. Oh, also super. Uh, this is how lucky I feel. Is <laughs> Paul was on my committee in grad school, so like, oh Jesus, yeah, one of those like really amazing <laughs> moments where you're like, you're amazing, and now you're gonna do amazing stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I was talking to Paul once about, he was telling, we were talking kind of about this topic and he was telling me that there's this teacher that comes and teaches at Haystack like every few years. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, she, she shut off her email. And he was like, she just told everybody to call her. And he was like, <laughs> he was like, I, so I did, I called her, like set up another class. And he was like, we spoke on the phone for 10 minutes 
and we got everything we needed to get done and we had an amazing conversation about like what happened you know and like why don't we do that more often like why don't we just pick up the phone you know like oh it's i'm a caller yeah it's yeah. awesome you you kudos to you for doing that david chat i feel like is always like sarah brown yeah. <laughs> and he's like he's one, one of my best friends and i just call him yeah he's also not no he's not that bad at texting but i don't know i just like talking it's so much easier it's also easier yeah. it's like straight to the point yeah but people do get like really taken aback <laughs> Like, oh, you're yeah. calling me? It's yeah. like, I know we don't know each other that well, but yeah. yes, we're going to talk on the phone. Yeah. It's not that scary. <laughs> it's not that scary. Um, when did you get Carl the cat? Oh, I got him in grad school, my second year of grad school. Okay, so I think that's the other thing of this. My therapist once was like, why don't you just get like a pet or something? And mm. I was like, well, first of all, I don't like pets, so that's not the answer for me. But I feel like he's like your... He's, um, in the words of my father, he is my rock. Like, he is my foundation. <laughs> You I guys think like he, would, a... he would add in my girlfriend Christine now, but like, yeah, yeah Carl has been my my road warrior. Uh, he hates driving, but yeah, he's been everywhere. He's <laughs> like, uh, he's eight years old now. Oh damn! Yeah. I think that is important to note because throughout all of this moving and whatever, you always had this consistent companion. Yeah, yeah totally. I had yeah. somebody to come home to that yeah. like actually would care about me feeding it. So <laughs> I had to like um, actually there was a time. People think I'm crazy for this, but when I moved to Houston, I was working like 12 to 16 hours, like straight, like I would go to the studio and then I would go to Trader Joe's. And so I would work nonstop. Um, And so there was a time where I wouldn't come home and I would just feed Carl like right when I got home and right when I woke up and then I would be out. Mm -hmm. And he got, he actually got really ill uh, because I think he was kind of getting, he was just going stir crazy a little bit and also not being taken care of. So then I started like coming home in the middle of the day. And so it was like that first like start of like, hey, you have to take care of something. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you, totally. I know you don't have plants, but this creature kind of needs you to be around. Yeah. And so like, yeah, I'd, I'd come home like in the middle of the day and just like be there for 20 minutes, half an hour to make sure he was all right. Which so, is always also good for you. Yeah. Yeah. It totally. like helps your mental health a little bit. For sure. So Carl is a magical being. Also like love life, totally impossible sometimes when you're doing this because yeah. you constantly have to be like and I'm planning on the next thing it's I don't know I feel like I was always afraid to try to fall for somebody because you knew the end was near yeah I'm I'm such a like hopeless romantic that I just would go for it but I've also been like the person that's way too was way too in yeah too early to even focus on that I can't imagine dating in the social media world oh it's really funny yeah we can we'll have some drinks after this and I'll I'll fill you all in I would I would love um, <laughs> so I'm so excited for you. So you found love. Mm-hmm. You got a sweetie. Yeah, I got a Penland. Uh, well, you found love Penland at Penland. Dreamboat. Yeah, Aww. yeah. She um, was an assistant at a concentration, and then long distance turned into hey, let's move to the city at the same time and, and try. That. And now she's going to go to grad school here. So we're staying here. And so you finished at Penland, and then you came to Richmond. Why did you come to, back to Richmond? Just because it was the city that you felt most connected to? Yeah, and so what I did was uh, I, I actually pulled a cool little move where mm-hmm. uh, Snag was in Asheville. Um, the year, I remember that. The, like six months before I left, I think. Yeah, we hung out. Yeah. Um, maybe that was the last time we saw each other. We're oh, just you know, it's true. That yeah, out. because that we had drinks with Haas and Leslie, and I think that's when I met Susie and Kathleen. Yep. So that little thing you just talked about was when I figured out a way to move back to Richmond and actually have an income. And so what I did was I actually, (laughs) I just thought we were drinking. Wow. (laughs) We were doing that too. But, uh, Kathleen 
had never taught at Penland and, and she was the adjunct at VCU. And so what we did was kind of a bait and switch. So she went and taught at, at Penland for the fall. And then I took over for her for the semester. Oh my God. I totally remember hearing about yeah. this now. Yeah. And then Smart. it got even further than that. Cause then Susie became the head of the craft department. So then I got a full time, uh, like a one year appointment to kind of take over as the other fac- metals faculty. Great. And so that gave you an in to kind of move back. And it have an sounds income. like you were burnt out. Like you made the choice to move somewhere. Yeah. I, I was ready to, I mean, Penland is a long, it's three, a three year residency. Yeah, it's it's intense. So, yeah. and it was, it definitely gave me time to make, it gave me time to think about what I wanted to be doing with my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't really looking to go for another, you know, one year appointment or another, you know, keep rocking on that. Um, One year in residency life, you think it's long, but it's not. It's so quick. You're just, by the time you get settled, you're already like, oh shit, I have to move in four months. Yeah, I'm sure you felt like that at Aramont. Like it's like so so quick. And that's like, and like I said earlier, like it's not one year, it's like six months. And then you're kind of already starting to look at where, where you're going next. Mm -hmm. Even though you don't really want to be thinking about that, you're, you're trying to. Yeah. Um, And so when I moved here, um, it was another way for me to like see how much I wanted to be teaching too. Like yeah. it gave me a little bit of like a, Hey, I've had a few years off. Let's see how it, how it goes now that I'm back. Um, and then, um, and then also trying to keep my studio practice going alongside. And what was that going to entail? Like how yeah. hard was that going to be with, with school, you know? Yeah. So I moved back here with a, a few things. It was, a, it was, um, it was a lot of work that first year. It was a lot of, it was pretty intense, kind of jumping around I I definitely bought bit way more than I could off like I was yeah. trying to make um I had a bunch of shows that I was trying to get ready for um and so you know like trying to make a really big platter alongside of like <laughs> teaching two to three you know two classes um in between so it was like kind of jumping and racing around and also oh god it's it's a shocking that first time you have to remember that you have to pay rent oh yeah or feed yourself I hadn't paid rent oh god three years yeah. and I was like oh every month I have to do this yeah <laughs> I, I sound like assholes but it's true no, when you haven't paid rent for three years makes yeah, a difference it's just like osmosis like you're so used to something and then mm-hmm. uh yeah I moved when when we got the apartment here I was telling a friend about the price of it I was like yeah it's about you know nine hundred dollars I and, hate you I pay seven hundred yeah. that's only half yeah. and, <laughs> and she was like that's normal and I was like that's oh Oh okay. oh, okay. I guess that's normal now. You know, like <laughs> I just hadn't, you know, at yeah. Penland, it's, you don't have to deal with that. You stuff. can engage it. It's yeah, Neverland, totally. but you know, yeah. Neverland comes with a lot of other things. Yeah, um, for sure. It's socially is a really intense place to be. So, yeah. So you pay for that rent in other ways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you make it happen. Yeah. Um, I well, Oh, and your girlfriend's name is Christine. Yep. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm like, Hey Christine. Yeah. I'm going to meet her. I'm excited about that. Yep. Um, so while you're at Penland, the other aspect I wanted to talk to you about, because um, you're kind of, you, at Penland, I just saw you like blow up, like all of a sudden you're like at Art Basel and Sofa and all this stuff. And you're actually selling big work. And I was like, oh, wow, you're doing it. Yeah. Like it's not jewelry. 
it's a giant wall sculpture and somebody's actually going to buy that full price. Yeah, it's um, pretty crazy. Yeah, I, that's I shocking still, to me. I still don't understand. Like, I, <laughs> um, So you have real gallery representation. Mm-hmm. Well, not like our gallery is not real, but in the sense of you have a contract with one gallery that fully represents you. Is that I correct? I have a few galleries. I have one oh, okay. here in town, um, but Ornamentum is my main gallery. So most of all yeah. of... A majority of all the metal work I make goes through Ornamentum. And, I mean, they're pretty established in the sense that they do go to Basel. I feel like you went to they Basel. They go to, um, they've been going to Basel for quite a long time. I don't mm-hmm. think they're going to Basel, Switzerland anymore. I okay. could be wrong. They might still be doing it. They kind yeah. of are, um, because of the booth fees and because of how uh, the market's going, it depends yeah. on how they... They're adjusting it. Yeah. They're smart. That's, exactly. That's totally. how you stay in business yeah. for so long. But they've been going to Design Miami since, I I want to say, almost like 2012 or... Oh, wow. It's been a long time. It Maybe even 2008. Um, I can't quite remember. Um, so I... Uh, do you want to know the backstory of that? I do want to know. How do okay. you even get found by somebody like that? Super, super lucky. Um, Which, this is another weird story. Oh that my I god, am so I love it. I don't care. Your episode's gonna be long. Give <laughs> yeah. it to me. This is good. It's juicy. Yeah. So I got um I got a grant uh called the Peter S. Greed grant. Okay. Um Peter S. Reed grant. Are you one of those people that's like always applying to grants in the background? So this one, um I I apply to maybe one or two a year. I try that's to That's a like, lot. I, Most people don't apply to any. Yeah. <laughs> I try to like at least do that every every year like mm-hmm. there's one that i'm really interested in trying to get um and so but this one i didn't have to apply for it was actually a nomination base oh cool um and i got lucky um and this guy uh he was a photographer who passed away and his partner um is uh on the board who gives out the grants um and they do about i think 10 to 20 grants a year oh, wow. um, and it's like anywhere from like one to seven thousand dollars or something like that i can't remember the the range um but that was what paid for my first year uh first like six months of penland like oh okay so i got that right before i left and so it was like okay i'm gonna at least make it to um, start to start it (laughs) totally and so then um i moved to penland and uh i got the acc award which was really amazing yeah merging voice Emerging Voices Award. Yeah, and that's what five thousand. Uh, ten thousand for the winner, and then a thousand, I think. For... It is. I mean, that one you have to be nominated to apply. Yeah, I got nominated. Yeah, I didn't get it. It's yep. okay. It's gonna keep happening. Whatever. Just keep going for it. Oh yeah, no, I was actually just honored to get to apply. Oh, man. Me too. That I was on their radar. It was, it was like the most amazing email I, i've ever received I yeah was like holy smokes damn and you won ten thousand dollars yeah, yeah. do they take taxes out of that Is you have to yeah you have to pay taxes yeah, so really what taxes. do you get they like don't nine thousand or something it. yeah it's i mean you have to be well, smart about it yeah totally i think i mean if you're self-employed i think it's like 20 to 30 so like always ruin the romance i was like ten thousand i was like oh, do yeah. they make you pay taxes on that <laughs> Sorry. I know. it's, it's like, like when people win a car on yeah. reality television shows you got to pay the taxes it's like the lottery yeah yeah for sure okay um so uh i got that award but what was amazing about the peter s reed award was the partner mm-hmm. uh sold um uh american oh man i'm gonna blank modern american furniture uh mm-hmm. in hudson new york and so he walked down the street and literally walked into Ornamentum and was like, we just gave this grant out to this guy. Maybe you should look at his work. 
And, oh my goodness. Uh, Stefan from Ornamentum emailed me like a week or two later and Catherine was really sweet. Uh, I talked to Catherine Grimley when I got the email. And I love kinda, her. She is the director of the Penland Gallery, guys. Totally. And she gave me some great feedback, which I think is always helpful. Is she was like, don't like ask them for representation on the on the first email. Like just ask them what they think of your work because that gives them like it's a dialogue rather than like yay or nay. Like it's like instead of yes or no, like hey, oh. like let me let's have a conversation and discuss it and then from there maybe you can talk further. Oh, that's interesting because I assume that first email was like hey, we want to represent you or was he just being no, like, he, "Oh, hey, how are you?" He was like, "I we saw your work, really enjoyed it and, you know, was wondering if, you know, there's any more information and so oh. i wrote back and said thank you so much you know thank you for all your kind words and i would love to know more of your your thoughts and maybe we could have a phone call and so from there uh, we had a phone call and then that's how i started becoming represented by them that is such good advice Catherine. yeah, yeah. she's great she's, <sighs> she's always amazing. got some good little nuggets okay so i have so many questions about yeah. this because when you I'm, so, happy, I'm happy to tell you i'm so curious um so when you do st- talk with them what is a contract like is it like uh well obviously there's percentages of like Mm -hmm. we're gonna take this when we sell it for you we represent you Mm -hmm. i know some galleries um fitcheri in seattle which is no longer under the same woman but she used to have it in her contract that you couldn't be represented by any other gallery in the state Mm -hmm. um because you know competition i get that for sure and when you're a gallery like ornamentum that is known for selling work and you know, they yep. get shit done. Yeah. Um, do they have like a schedule? Like you have to send us new work X amount of times a year. And then, um, you get one solo show a year. Like, mm-hmm. so, <laughs> so, um, it's actually, we don't really have a contract fully. Um, you, is there literally no contract? That you no contract, but we've, we've kind of talked about it and we've discussed it all. Yeah. My first year of this was <gasps> wow, really, this so much more. was super uncomfortable and awkward. like, I'm super happy to be with ornamentum now, but yeah. it was, it's really tricky to like, let go of the reins, you know, and be like, I have all this work, you know, and they're like, we want to sell it, you know, but here's how we're going to do it. And it's like, Oh, like when you're in grad school, you just get to make all the decisions and they're, yeah. that's super uncomfortable too. But you know, like, yeah. um, but it was like, oh, you know, hearing from somebody else, like how they thought I should approach things and all that stuff. Oh, not, because they do kind of tell making you. wise. Oh, I was I was interested about that no. too. If they're like, mm, can you make bigger things? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, they're <laughs> thankfully. Um, I'm I'm sure there are galleries that are tougher than um, ornamentum, but we've actually had a very sweet uh, connection. So I mean, they get half of whatever they sell. Oh, it's fifty percent. Fifty percent. And so is it net thirty? net 30 they pay you within 30 days of selling a piece uh yes yeah because a lot of people have issues with that yeah uh no they they're pretty quick on on the return and they've actually even to to the point asked me you know like do you do you need it ahead of schedule like you know they've actually been pretty pretty cool with you know we usually have a pretty good dialogue of what's going on and that kind of thing. Because I know that, I mean, you're selling sizable pieces. So yeah. I could assume they'd be like, hey, do you need this $5,000 now? Yeah. Like, yeah. They're not <laughs> dumb. Like, no, artists I mean, are... and that's what's great is yeah. usually we have a conversation, um, you know, like, so uh, two, okay, so a bunch of your questions. So it's 50%, 50-50. Mm-hmm. Um, what's amazing about that is... Um, I mean, it's scary, you know, to see that money kind of get cut into half. Um, But uh, they do a lot for 
for me. You what, know, did, like, what do they do for you, actually? What do they do for me? I mean, think about the booth fee of Design Miami. Like, that is oh, a I huge... I mean, mm-hmm. I'm guess I've never asked the question of how much that is, but I'm guessing twenty to 30000 I was going to say, if, like, a booth at the PMA is yeah. 2000 like, come on. Yeah, and yes, if they're bringing a whole bunch of d- different people along the way, like, that's... Mm-hmm. that's you know, I'm, I'm only a percentage of that, but that's still a huge thing. Um, they also and staffing send, and cost. Really, yep. They yeah. send work, uh, to shows. So I have a few shows that they've, they have work on file. And so they've sent work to California. They're sending one to Europe. Do um, they pay for shipping costs? They pay for shipping from any, any of the work coming from their gallery. So okay. like, for example, if I were to send a platter to them, I pay for the shipping to them, but then yeah. anywhere from there, they they cover okay that's nice yeah so um yeah so like there was a platter that went to california and that all got covered and then we also do stuff like i will drive like uh i'll drive up you know and meet with them and so i'll bring work with me or uh richmond is awesome because um coming from hudson down to miami you have to come down 95 and so oh yeah uh, they just stopped literally at my studio picked it up and kept on driving down that's so so nice so yeah so my cover of shipping was zero because it was already on its way do they do a lot of things where they um i'm always interested where they approach like permanent collections like Mm -hmm. do they have a sector of that where they're like working on that or is that just like a happy accident i think they are from time to time you know like i think the people that are around like i've I've heard a little bit of discussions of like people that they have worked with quite a few times that Mm -hmm. they will that they will kind of get in contact with about like hey there's a new piece coming out you know would you be interested in things like that and then design miami i mean it's such a huge draw that i think that's usually when my sales happen or kind of those bigger markets have they ever did anything where they're like you're like here's this piece and how this is how much it is and they're like oh no they have um so this is a really good story i um i think i i you told me one story once did i tell you this um maybe there was (laughs) you go okay i'll tell you mine because i don't think it's the one you're thinking of and i want to know so um there was a time where when i first moved back here uh i was making they wanted they this answers another one of your questions was like, Hey, a design show is coming up. Do you have any work you know, mm-hmm. for that? We'd love to have a piece. Um, and so it's a little bit of like, Hey, you know, could you make something for that? Yeah. But it doesn't mean I have to have something. And so I made this, like I had just finished Penland and I was trying, I was getting back to teaching and I jammed out this sculpture that it was not good. It was yeah. horrible. It was not a good looking thing. And um, <laughs> I drove it up. Uh, and um, and even my girlfriend was like, we had just started living together. I really didn't know how to tell you that it was not good. Oh. <laughs> you know? And so, <laughs> yeah. and so um, I pulled up and I showed it to them and they were just like, I don't know if this is. Is it that massive platter you did? No, this it's like nobody has seen this thing okay. other than the gallery. Oh my God. That's so funny. Yeah. And th- they were very sweet and they were just like, you know, I don't think we'll think about it, but I don't think this is something we can, we can show. And I'm so glad that they didn't, that, you know, and uh, there's been other times that I feel like there's been work that I've really thought was strong, you know, and they haven't wanted it. And so it, there's other ways of, you know, talking about that. Oh wow. Yeah. That's all like a whole story? other letter. Uh, I, th- we, I don't remember where we were at, but I think they called you because they were at a fair or something and they knew that they had a buyer and they couldn't get a hold of you 
or something, but they just said a price above what they thought. And then it sold and it was actually more than you were going to tell them. Totally. And so (laughs) that is a great, uh, great problem to have is, uh, they have always wanted my work to be higher and they're yeah. getting those prices. You yeah. know, like it'd be one thing if I was like, no, I think it's this much. And then they were like, no, it's this much. And there was nothing ever being sold. Yeah. Um, they, I feel like I don't think too highly of what I'm making sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? And so oh, yeah. we that's all what a gallery's there for is there's to value like, you hey, more than yourself. This is what the price points you should be getting. Yeah. Know? I don't remember when that happened, but I just remember being like, Oh damn, that's really funny. And it was a pretty sizable amount. And I think you were just like, Whoa, I can't believe that just sold for that. Totally. That's totally cool. Yeah, for sure. And so with a gallery like Ornamentum, you're like a ten ninety nine? They're not taking tax out. They're not taking tax out. Oh, okay. So you get that. Okay. So I get a big paycheck and try to pay quarterly taxes and Do you have an accountant? I do. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, I do have an accountant. That's a tax write off. Mm. Um and then I've also just got QuickBooks. The um the app on your phone so you can just it's like tinder for your receipts wow. <laughs> yeah you swipe left for uh like your personal and right for your um your business oh my god it's awesome how much does that cost it's five dollars a month you guys that's really worth it it's totally worth it and then and I you just attach fine. it to your bank account so anything you spend it automatically pops up pops in your... right up and then you can f- take photos and add receipts as you go along and then i think if you pay like ten dollars a month mm-hmm. then you get the turbo tax so it just goes it automatically, automatically files for you jesus yeah i might need to do that it's uh totally worth it that i think is totally i haven't worth it. used it as for like april 15th you know like i yeah. used to have an excel spreadsheet so this is my first time using it oh good yeah cool good fine who told yeah. you about that your accountant uh no i i think i saw it a couple times mm-hmm. and then and it was a like, new year's resolution to like Hey, get, get your, better at get your it. shit in order and start doing that. So what, with the gallery, have you had any solo shows with them? I have had a two person show with David Clark. Oh, cool. Uh, he's cool. Yeah. He's great. I had a few years ago and then, um, I haven't told anybody this, but in October I'm having a solo show. Oh, are we getting an exclusive I, yeah, uh, on the much. podcast? Yeah. <laughs> nice. So, October, mid October. I'm having a solo show. Oh, it's a solo show. Yep. Aw. Yeah. I think I'll be at Penland, otherwise I'd drive up. It's so close. Is it? Yeah, it's not that far. It's like three hours from me. Yeah. Um, Sarah Lurcher lives in Kingston. Yeah. Which is not that far. Maria Tolkien lives in Kingston too. Yeah, so it's a cool area. It's not hard to get to. So Or I would come down to Philly. Well, holler at your girl. Yeah. Next year's snag is in Philadelphia. So y'all on my turf. Yeah. It's gonna be cool. Um, I mean, I, I love talking about all the things, but what is like a negative thing about it? Like, have you had any bad experiences or is it all pretty good? It's pretty good. The, f- this has turned into a positive, but the, the toughest part was the beginning. Okay. The beginning was really kind of, kind of nerve wracking. Um, cause it was just like, uh, I mean, I, I spent a good chunk of money. Like I said, I shipped all the work, the money mm. shipping the work from me to them is on me. Yeah. And so I shipped all of my collect, like my, my work to them. And so I, I put it down a pretty sizable amount of money to get it all there and it all came back and you know, I'm happy that I did it. It was just, um, that initial, it was that first jump, you know? Um, so that was really tricky and, um, and, uh, everything else, man, I feel like it's been pretty solid. And so 
you don't have an official contract. So it's like maybe just one day they're just like, yeah, you're just not making enough. Yeah. You know, it's like, how would the end ever come? I don't know. I think about it sometimes. <laughs> like, I, I think about it. Sorry, not to be negative, yeah. but I'm like, how does the end I think come? about it nerv- nervously, you know, like, who knows? They might want to. Or maybe it doesn't. I know they, Melanie Blinker's been with Santa Patty for like 20 years or yeah, something. Yeah, or maybe they want to, you know, not be gal- have a gallery anymore. You know, oh, like, yeah. I, like, who, who is who is Ornamentum? Is it? They're a couple. Uh, Stefan mm-hmm. uh, is the man, and then I always play. Oh, look at you. Don't worry. Just don't tell them to listen to the podcast. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I like, it's every time they tell she tells me her name, I'm like, oh, it's like this friend I have. And then I totally forget it. That's okay. I blinked on somebody's name today that was really funny that I did. Cause, yeah. Yeah. That just happens. Yeah. But they're an amazing couple. And, oh. and they have a small uh, little brick and mortar in Hudson. Yeah. I mean, Hudson's amazing how much mm-hmm. money is flooded into there. Well, yeah. it's like, oh. You know, it's from New York City. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so it's right the there. Train. And so they don't they don't frown upon you having other gallery representations, but like, how do you bridge that? I feel like if you're in a polyamorous relationship, you're like, so yeah. I'm taking on another lover. This is this is actually very very tricky, and this is where I guess it gets a little, even more honest. Is um, so uh, you know, I have only a couple other galleries, and yeah. so I I usually just try to be as upfront about other shows that are coming up, you mm-hmm. know, uh, what I have going on. Um, there has become a little bit of, um, like exclusivity with them, with the platters that I have, okay. the big platters, because they put so much, uh, work and bringing them to design Miami and Basel and things like that. So, um, we have kind of a discussion. We have like a, we have no contract, but it's like, a, if anybody else is interested in, you know, commissioning a piece or things like that any of my other galleries they want to be at least in the conversation and i don't we have never had that happen happen yet so i don't know in total what that conversation means like if they'd want a percentage of the final cut because that can happen i have heard of galleries kind of wanting a five to ten percent you know actually i i do know of that happening there was somebody i knew which this situation pissed me off because they had gallery representation from a gallery that was like, okay, like mm-hmm. they're not selling that much, mm-hmm. but they wanted, um, a percentage of anything they sold elsewise, even if it wasn't like this person had a really specialized skill. Mm-hmm. So even if somebody hired them part time to do that specific skill for them, this person was supposed to give the gallery a yeah. cut of that, which didn't make sense to me at all. Totally. And it's, yeah, I don't think it's, it's not great, you know, like it's yeah. not helpful. And, um, it's that's that specificity. I think it's not like what I like about my situation is that, um, it's not like they're saying that you can't do that, you know, yeah. like, and so it's just that conversation needs to be started, you know, and I totally understand, you know, yeah. from their, from their front, like what they've done to ship things, to show things, to keep, you know, putting out uh, flyers and image information about the stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think they deserve at least to be at the table. And, you know, I think the other thing, like you were saying, um, is, uh, or we said earlier, like, sometimes I think my value is much lower than than mm-hmm. it is. And so they would just want to be there to make sure that the prices are the same. And the prices are at the right front because they're actually like, working towards pushing the price higher for me yeah. the same object you know which well, is well you don't want to undercut them totally and yeah. so i think that's it's a it's a um susie once said this about um 
teaching, like mm-hmm. collaborative teaching. Um, it's like marriage, you know, like, and yeah. so I think that's, it's just trying to be as honest as possible and keeping people in the know about what's going on. What I love about this insight is that it seems so much more personable than I thought it was. Yeah. For me, I, it seemed like more of like, oh, business. God, but, I hope it's that way for everybody. And I know that people can feel really hurt with mm-hmm. some gallery representation. And um, thankfully, I've had really great people kind of give me some insight. Yeah, yeah. there Catherine Grim- Grimley gem that I loved mm-hmm. was um, she was taught. We were talking about this, you know, like 50, 50, you know, like the gallery gets 50 and, and I get 50 and that, you know, that when you first start, it's uncomfortable. And she was like, well, what you have to remember now is, um, you don't get wholesale anymore. So if you sell a piece through your, your, uh, studio and your gallery is okay with that, you know, that, uh, you get the full hundred percent. Yeah. So it's retail retail price the whole time now because you put in the legwork that the gallery would usually do too. Don't mm-hmm. undercut yourself by half by thinking like it's not going through a gallery, you know. Oh yeah, that's because you're one. doing because mm-hmm. you're that's you devaluing the other half that you are now doing for yourself. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's totally right. Yeah. Oh, I love how much information you just gave me. Oh, Thanks. do you ever go to the fairs that they're at? Like, have you ever been and like, do they encourage you to come and hang out? Cause people um, love to meet the artists. I did get to go to design Miami a couple of years ago. Yeah. And that was really cool. Cause like, um, they, I don't know if this is normal, but they give like, if you're in the event, then they give you cards to go to like all of the shows you know, oh. like you get a, like you're, I've never been to design Miami, so yeah. I have like no idea, but it looks fancy and really fun. There's like 30 satellite shows all going on at the oh, same God. time. And they give you like a, like a VIP pass to go to all of them. Oh, but okay. because you're working the booth, like your gallery's working the booth, they can't go to any of the events. So they were just like, here, take my, Oh yeah. so I got to like go to like Basel and walk around and for free and stuff Do like all that. The things. But I feel like. And maybe maybe they will they would say something differently to this, but like I feel like they don't want me around usually, like just awkwardly, like hey, here's the artist just awkwardly standing by his work, you know? Yeah, I could see that totally. It's so, easier to sell it when you're not there. Yeah, I stop by and I say hey, and then I'm I'm out. And then you you're know? out. Yeah, I think that's good. Seems fair. Yeah, I I mean when I did the PMA show. Sarah Lurcher was my assistant and I actually preferred when she went on her spiel and I just like left. Yeah. You know, I felt like she had a better way of handling it. What was that like? I mean like the craft hustle, the craft show hustle seems like I've watched Ashley Buchanan and Tara Locklear and all those guys do. Mm -hmm. They are just, I feel like everybody should have to experience it. Not only is it mentally like a marathon. Yeah. The, the days are so long, but your body physically hurts. Like Tara Locklear has this thing where she like goes home and like puts her legs up against the wall yeah. to help with the swelling. It's, you know, it's like, and I've assisted enough people that I can speak to the experience of it. I mean, I've only done one on my own, which mm-hmm. that in and of itself is a whole other level of anxiety. But, you know, it's like you're bloated and you're yeah. uncomfortable and you kind of eat like shit because you got to talk to a million people and you can't leave your booth. So yeah. you're like shoving food in your mouth behind a wall and you're it's, you just have to sit there and take what everybody says it's, to you. And it's really bizarre. It's so impressive. Like it's I, some of it's the hardest work. And it's like those guys are making doing like 10 to 15 of those like mm-hmm. a year. Ashley did 17 in one year. I mean, Ashley's like the 
yeah, she's show queen, yeah, you know? rock but, star. But she's gotten to a place in her life, and I'm really excited for her where she's like, I'm done. Like, I'm yeah. doing like nine, ten. I'm cutting out the smaller yeah. ones. But um, there's a lot of people that do it full time. Yeah. Um, and it's really hard work, and yeah. it's not a guarantee. They don't get enough credit for how much they do for mm-hmm. themselves. I mean, just working, and then also just like being advocates for the work that they're doing in the field that they're in. Yeah. You know, you can't, I mean, I know some people that are introverts, of course that do it, but, um, mm-hmm. you can definitely tell the people that were Tara Lockley's amazing. At. Megan yeah. Patrice Riley. Good God. I feel yeah. like half her allure is just her as a person. Yeah. And she has this, uh, like energy. Yes. Yep. She's so good. She like draws you in and you just want to like talk to her and hang out with her. And she has this look and yeah, yeah, totally. So I think that really plays to their advantage. Yeah. Yeah, and you, mm-hmm. it's like a certain mentality that's amazing. Yeah, no, you have to have uh, mentally be very <laughs> secure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> warrior. Yeah. Um, so Jaden, so now you have this like amazing studio, and you're here. Mm-hmm. You're gonna be. I mean, I'm Stand so put. excited. You have a lot of furniture. You have a girlfriend. <laughs> Carl yeah. the cat is still yeah. around. Every, everybody's still alive. <laughs> everybody's yeah. still healthy and alive. So. Um, but let me ask you this. Have you felt a little like stir crazy? You know, um, and also, wait, I forgot to ask the most important question. Are you making all your money off your work right now? Do you have a part-time job? I do not. I'm working f- fully for myself. Yeah. Damn, it's crazy. son. Yeah. I feel utterly lucky that I get to say that. Congratulations. Yeah. It's what, pretty nuts. Wait, what are you like? Middle class, lower middle class, I, upper class. I would say, I guess lower middle. <laughs> What's what's lower I middle? What would you say lower middle is? I mean, I don't know. I think like what the government says is like, are you making minimum wage at least? For sure. Yeah. Okay, you're yeah, doing yeah. good. Yeah. Nice. And I think it's it's always nerve wracking to you know my, I mean most likely my next paycheck will be in December. You know, mm-hmm. like for the next big show, um, or my my solo show in October. So it's it's a lot of. Still trying to penny pinch as much as possible, but, but also, you know, buying material for this show and things like that. So yeah. it's a lot of trust, but also living as tightly as possible. But are they like four digit or five digit checks then? Because if you don't get paid until then, that would mean like a thousand or like 10,000. <laughs> yeah, 10,000 me. Yeah, yeah, so that makes sense 10, because you're yeah. just getting your salary, but like in lump sums yeah, throughout the Yeah, big lump years. sums. So it's just thinking about it and parsing out that big lump sum. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can go out, celebrate, have like a nice dinner, but then it's like back to reality yeah, that totally. this has to last <laughs> yeah. you for six months. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's got to be material or food. You yeah. Know, like that. Okay. Kind of um, so yeah, after the f- teaching at VCU, I got the Kohler residency. So oh did, shit! We didn't did, even talk about that one. I know, we've, we've Damn, been going for a long Jayden. time. Well, I love podcasts, so I'm just like <laughs> utterly ecstatic over here. No, like this is not even the longest one I've ever had. Oh but really? Okay. You've Ooh. had so many. Oh god, we have to mention the Kohler residency yeah. though. You so guys, that, I got the Kohler residency <laughs> yeah. too. So I got the Kohler residency uh, in the fall. Okay. Um, and so. Uh, amazing another amazing opportunity where penland actually helped me with that because penland and kohler have a affiliation they have a relationship yeah oh i know about it every two years like they choose one penland penland affiliate to come and do the residency yeah they sent that they send that email out to the core fellows and residents they're like hey apply to this now it's amazing i don't know what i would do with it though it's crazy 
Yeah. Uh, I still like look back at my time there and just am like utterly confused and blown away that that was three months of my life. Like, yeah, which dri- is not a long time. No, like driving a forklift every night, you know, like that's, that's just a weird. normal thing that I did. Um, you know, pushing like hand pushing a cart next to like two tons of steel as it's like being driven by a forklift and just that being utterly okay and normal. Um, yeah. I saw eight feet radius of steel hit the floor. Okay. So guys, we have to give you some insight here. So <laughs> y'all know what Kohler is, right? Yep. Have you used a toilet? Yeah. Have you washed your hands in a sink porcelain? Mm-hmm. So Kohler is in Wisconsin. Um, what's that name of that town? It's such a weird one. Oh man. Well, it's Kohler's the town and then it's, um, I'm going to think Sheboygan. Sheboygan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very Wisconsin <laughs> yeah. name. Um, so the residency is for three months and it's at the Kohler factory. Mm-hmm. So you have this situation where they're like casting porcelain toilets and yep. w- what else? And they So they cast all the porcelain toilets. Um, so every like morning they have like, I mean, what's crazy about Kohler is they have like lines that are fully just porcelain so they they pour mm-hmm. out of like lines you know that you don't have to go like mix your own bucket like you can just go pour your mold and then be done for the day oh, um that's nice. crazy enough um and then they also do iron and steel so they do cast iron and so that's they oh. have the they have the pot the porcelain uh residency and then they have the iron residency so you did you go, get the iron residency or yeah. the porcelain oh you got the iron okay yeah i went for the iron one i just felt like Porcelain seems super cool, but I'm such a metalsmith that I felt like I would always kick myself if I never didn't do it, didn't do that, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, you can, you know, cast whatever you want to and cast iron. Um, I feel like I would be so overwhelmed because the possibilities are almost kind of endless because they help you facilitate all this. Of they course. They have a coordinator there that helps you. Yeah. Um, and that's got to be a part of your, um, you write like a statement of like what you would like to do there. But I felt like. I was happy that I just went and didn't really know what the heck I was going to make because I wrote like a, I wrote like a statement of kind of the ideas I thought I could do with what they had. But then it's, it's exactly what you're talking about. Like you don't really understand what you're getting. Yeah. And also like I never sand casted. So it's a chemical bond sand that like you pack and in 10 minutes, it's like rock hard. Um, and that's what you pour into. Um, so I'd never done that before. So like trying to figure out what, what that was about um and then also just like how hard you're working like it is it's crazy how um how how much you're walking you know like lifting you know doing all this stuff and also just trying to understand working with a factory you know yeah at one point i had to wake up at like three in the morning because they were only casting a certain type of iron at that time so i had to like walk over to the factory and get my forklift and pull up with my molds and be like hey can you fill my molds and they were like, oh, we're not doing it right now. And it was like, cool, I guess I'll go back to sleep. You know, <laughs> like, like, happy I woke up yeah. at 3.30 in the morning. Totally. So it's just like you're at the whim of the factory sometimes. You know? How is that? Because it's like, like, I'm sure like blue collar dudes, they're not yeah. artists. They don't give a fuck. Yeah. There's, I mean, I feel like if you're nice to them, they've had to deal with it for so long that they're pretty cool. You yeah. Know? Um, there is some blue collar mentality to it that it can be really awesome and also can be a little bit annoying and frustrating but i feel like if you can be sweet you know and help and and, respectful this is their their professionals totally Mm -hmm. and they're so hardworking, just as much as as you know any art type of artist was we so the sand casting that we did is um it's like 
there's only one feeder for it. Everything else at the factory is like a mold that they're they're that they're making the sand molds from. Yeah. Um, and so well, you're only working with these two guys that do hand hand packing, um, and I mean they do six sinks a day, um, and they're like the big trough sinks, and that's what they do. And I mean they're just working nonstop, you know, like the whole day. And so, you know, learning from them and trying to be as respectful of their space is just as important. And then they became like really great um, pieces of information, you know, to like help with stuff. You know, like you have to clean out the sand mixer every night if you've used it. And so like learning how to do that right and make sure that it's going to be in the right um, in proper order for them or they're going to be ticked off and not going to want to help you. And it's kind of like you're living in an episode of that one show that I used to love on the Discovery Channel that would give you insight to different factories. Yeah. You know, because there's yeah. factories for everything. It's crazy. You know, like a Tootsie Pop factory. And yeah. They show you the line of it. And you're totally right. Because it's like Kohler is its own world. Like they it's make, huge, they make right? their, totally. It, they make their own like packaging. They make their own, you know, like cards, you know, like. And Weird. you get kind of keys to the whole place. You know, you get a badge. Oh. And so, like, you can walk around at 9 o'clock at night and barely see anybody and go see, like, the enameling area and go see, you know, like, the plating area. That would be so creepy to be, like, four in the... Wait, does it run 24 hours a day? Yep. Oh, that's wild to yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it shuts down. So they have three shifts. And so the third shift is a little bit slower. Mm, okay. Um, but it's still, it's like... But there's still people there. Still people there. Still a foreman, still. And I know around. from our friend Tom Shields did the residency, mm-hmm. Penland person, of yep. course. Yep. Um, and he brought, you get to bring an assistant. You do. Um, yeah. Penland helps a little bit with that. Who'd I you believe. bring? I brought Jay. Oh, you brought Jay. Yeah. Hey, Jay. <laughs> you guys, Jay's cool. Yeah. Maybe he'll be on the podcast he's, someday. He's. The, but he's a printmaker, so that's funny. He was totally out of his a wheelhouse. A printmaker that's done some metal work. Um, oh, so right. he's totally out of he was kind of out of his wheelhouse, but he's such a strong and smart, hard working guy that like there were so many times that like I had to go do something for twenty minutes and he helped me with X, Y, and Z because he was just yeah. like, Yeah, I can just knock this out. Well that's what he's there for too. So in my studio there's this huge wall of Kohler stuff and he got all the packaging for oh, this I saw big that. Ne- <laughs> for this necklace that I made while I was there. And I so it's that. all packaged in there so perfectly because Jay. Yeah. Um so in situations like this where you're given this opportunity and do you like what you made? Because I feel like I would be <laughs> like, good question. because you don't have a lot of time to come yeah. into it and be like, you don't know the possibilities. Mm-hmm. So you're thrown into it. Mm-hmm. And then you have, to, I hate most of the stuff I made at Penland, yeah. you know, because yeah. you just start making to figure it out. I feel like that would be kind of it. Like, are you like, what, what was that? Yeah. The first month was definitely that. Like, yeah. it was like a lot of me just trying to be like, okay, I'm, I'm just learning, you know, like that That's went fine. really rough, but okay. But, you know, you've seen, like, the catalog, and you're like, oh, my God, somebody made that amazing thing. But Yeah, um, the a cool lot thing of pressure about, then, too, yep. which is fun. The cool thing about Kohler is you can apply again. Like, you can go as many times as they'll oh. accept you. And so they kind of try to tell you that from the get-go. Like, some of this stuff was made on the second or third time. Like That's um, good to know. I didn't realize yeah. that. And so one of my favorite things the coordinator said was, um, he said, first time you come to Kohler is you're trying to figure out what you want to make the second time you go is you actually what you want to make. Um, and you know, some people don't get it a second time and things like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, the first month was pretty tough. Like it was just trying to understand, you're just trying to understand how things work, you know, and like, 
um, how to stay out of people's way. <laughs> and then, it's very uh, true. and then it was kind of just trying to find a solid thing to work on. And so the necklace I'm, I'm pretty stoked on, you know, like yeah. I, I had a good time making it, did, it. Like when I saw it though, I didn't think of you Yeah, necessarily. Which, yeah. It's, it's like me, but not, but and that's good. Totally. Like, whatever. It's different. Yeah. And I think the making, the process was actually what I took away from it. It was like, Oh, yeah. like looking at space in a very different way you know like, are those I'm balls not hollow they're hollow yeah oh thank god i thought yeah. they were solid steel i was like where the hell are you gonna no. put that thing yeah no hopefully we're i'm working on something but i can't you can't say anything yeah, i can't say we'll see it's okay. still in the works all right i yeah. like that yeah <laughs> <laughs> um in terms of that too financially how well did they treat you penland so oh so Kohler gives a stipend um that's actually very nice and they actually give you a place to stay I knew that was housing. Um, yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and Kohler, or sorry, Penland takes care of that for the re- for the for the residents that they sent. Oh. So Tom and I um, get Penland paid, paid for you. Get paid by Penland. And then your assistants get money because I know Megan Martin was the assistant. Yep. She talked about and that that's through Penland too. Mm-hmm. So it's an awesome gig. I think it's a way for I think Penland to have that connection with Kohler, but then also kind of. I'm I'm sure Kohler's doing just fine, but like also <laughs> yeah, like take uh take the money off of like a resident for for three months that yeah. that Kohler doesn't have to pay for. I've always thought like I thought I would I mean I think it would be an amazing experience to get to go to that just even yeah. like see it. It's crazy. You can go on tours and yeah. they actually I actually went on one while I was a resident. They actually say like you should go just to be able to see the rest of the factory because you're kind of sometimes housed in wherever you know like you're staying yeah in your one factory for a really long time so they're like go see ceramics while i'm on the tour that's so that's cool. pretty cool yeah so are you so you're not applying for any residencies right now because you're gonna live here right no i'm only oh well, i'm applying to like only one or two week long ones. oh okay so i'm doing the haystack open studio residency which is a great residency yep, guys pretty awesome take note um, for next year yeah apply to that one because it's magical place to live for two weeks mm-hmm. um so just a couple of like one or two week long ones but yeah. um yeah i'm kind of just staying put and um trying to uh yeah work on the solo show uh, yeah and find that kind of balance of life and work make some know? friends outside of yeah our craft family i actually have like a whole separate group of friends that i purposely how did you do it well that's because i was like i have not i haven't been a metalsmith like you for my whole life you know like i only fell into this when i was like what 26 Mm -hmm. um so i've always been like a punk rocker music chick yeah and and so i have this whole other group of friends that's awesome and it's kind of weird just last weekend my friend Tom, I love Tom. Tom's like this old school rock and roller from um, Atlanta. So he yep. knows like everybody. And he was playing with this metal band Black Tusk that I love in Savannah. And um, Bob Biddlestone and Adam Grinovich went to the show. Yeah. They love metal. And I was like, and I was like, yeah, my friend Tom's playing. And then they sent me a picture and it was like worlds colliding. I was that's like, awesome. whoa, yeah. like this that's is my friend right. Tom. Yeah. Yeah. That's my rock and roll yeah. friend. And those are my metal Smith friends that's awesome. who also love rock and roll, but weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I do, I, I, um, I think that helps too, because with them it's, 
I kind of, mm-hmm. they love the podcast. I know that they love what I do. They're really proud of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have my band that I'm in yeah. and bandmates. And so I find balance of having those two worlds yeah. separate. And yeah, it. it's like a balance and you don't have to talk about shop all the time. Yeah, they don't, they don't fucking know totally. what I do. Like, I'm, yeah. <laughs> they don't get it. <laughs> They're yeah. like, oh, cool, New York yeah. City Jewelry Week. We're Great. proud of you. Yeah. Oh, my friend Tom did come to the show yeah. in New York. And See, I remember that's really cool. he came to support me and he's like, I'm really proud of you and took a bunch of pictures and shared it with our that's other awesome. friends. And they're like, look, Sarah's so cool. That's <laughs> you know? so sweet. But he, you know, he didn't yeah. know anybody else there. He hung out for a good amount of time and I loved that. And that's the friends you want, you know, like yeah. people who are just like, yeah, let's just see what the heck you're into. I'll come you to know? your show. I don't know anybody here. And I think, you know, eventually he took off and he was like, okay, I'm going to let you do your thing. But yeah. like, this was awesome to see. Yeah. Yeah. So. I've, um, so I'm going to totally, I'm going to totally tell people how nerdy I am. Yes. Please. Um, <laughs> so I have started to make a little bit of friend group and do my own thing. Um, I go to, I've been playing magic. I was, <laughs> I was like, I bet you're about to say dungeon and Dra- dragons no. or magic, magic, the gathering. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I've been playing on Fridays. How was that? It's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's super fun to, yeah, play a game, get to know some people who mm-hmm. are totally not in my world. Yeah. Um, but like, it's another culture that like they feed on something. I've met people who are like lawyers. Yeah. I've met people who are like English people, you know, English, like going to school, you know, like that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So yeah, totally. Fun fact, my friend Kevin, um, we know each other because back in the day I used to be the roadie for the, his band. Yeah. Um, professional magic, the gathering player. Whoa. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. There's a whole other world out there. There are so many, I mean, we think we have this like weird niche. We mm. do. We are yeah. part of this weird little niche and think about how many other niches are out yeah. there. It's mind boggling. I've always, I'm going to tell you my secret desire in life uh-huh. is I've always wanted to have a podcast slash, uh, like, documentary series okay. where I just go to conferences yeah. and like get to know people at different conferences. I really want to go to the gas conference. Yeah. Like, yeah, I went to Enseco this year. Oh, I wanted to go. And I'm it's, so jealous. And it's like, Oh man, this is a whole different world than the snag people. And then mm-hmm. not trying to not criticize either. It's just really cool to be like same kind of Thing. vibe, but also very different. I went to Rhinebeck which is the sheep and wool festival. And that is like, um, textile artists. Um, I was there with my friend who works for a very prominent, like yarn knitting company. Yeah. And it's like, she was a celebrity and you walk around and people have their sweaters and things they've knit and people stop you. And they're like, Oh my God, you're wearing the blah, blah, blah. Cause there's certain names for like patterns people sell. And then there's like celebrities within that of like people who design the patterns and have their own lines of yarns and whatever. And it's just blew my mind. And also there's, thousands of them it was like being at a state fair yeah it's so cool like seeing how refreshing that is to like see people just like going crazy about a friend or somebody else that is like yeah you know you see them in this other light and then seeing them just like getting a collaborator i mean i have podcasts and like i actually wanted to go to the nsika conference this year to line up interviews and go and do that yeah because i could see i mean i've heard you talk about on the podcast like finding new I know that's been my goal and I'm not doing that well this year so far guys. I like new year's. I was like, this is my resolution. I'm talking to other people besides jewelers, but it's kind of hard. It's tricky. Yeah, it's tricky. But I could see, I mean like in Seco totally 
mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm, I'm talking for some like another conference, but like I could yeah. see them wanting to bring you in. Yeah, or, or gas. Yep, that's totally. the glass one, you guys. And I, that one kind of intimidates me because glass art is party. Yeah. Yeah, I don't so. know if I could handle it. I, gotta be. <laughs> I love your idea, Jaden. You got to do that. Yeah, I want to do it so bad. Uh, yeah, and in conferences that we don't even know about. Totally. So I I got on this kick with Jay once where we were at a conference and so we started looking up conferences and I found like the craziest conferences. I found one for like parking conference, like a like how to be more efficient at parking, like making oh. like uh, parking structures. And so like they literally had a 40 under 40 of like the freshest thinkers of parking. And I was like, that's crazy. <laughs> You're that, blowing my yeah, mind right now. It's crazy that we're all using the 40 under 40, but they're using it for parking and we're using it for like the new artists, you know, like it's so. Well, a few people have been like, so have you gone to any conferences? There's like a lot of podcasting stuff. Yeah. And there's conferences for podcasts. Yes, there's Whoa. like gatherings. There's like this whole thing. And um, I'm thinking about dipping my toe in. Yeah. You know? And just being a fly on the wall to ask the questions for that. That <laughs> yes, seems great. I know. Yeah. Podcast about podcasters. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, we are about to hit two hours. Whoa. I loved talking to you and we didn't even cover everything I wanted to talk about. Like I we know. could just like go on and on. But Jaden, you are amazing. Well, you're amazing. Um, Thank and you for having me on the podcast. Yeah, you were so transparent and lovely. Oh, and... I please, if there's any <laughs> other questions you need to know, I'd rather give people information and make their lives easier than yeah, hold well, them on to my hold them on for hold on for dear life to them. Well, do you realize that you're in a position that most people are striving for, like the experiences you've had? Yeah, it makes me utterly uncomfortable yeah. to think that. Um, but yeah. But I mean, and, it's true. Yeah. I'm, I mean, to be brutally honest, there yeah. was a couple of years there where um, I definitely felt so utterly lucky. Yeah. And feeling like I'd gotten to places that I didn't think were possible mm-hmm. already at my age um, that I, I really felt kind of guilty for a long time. And yeah. I'm still dealing with it a little bit. But, um, Ooh, but have you gotten any like pushback? pushback what do you mean well like people just thinking you're an asshole because you keep getting everything (laughs) i don't know maybe they maybe they're out there and they're just like not talking to me about it which i totally understand yeah you know i mean there's a few jewelers i was like can we stop fucking just showing the same jewelers over and over you know that but and i i think i take that in the stride of trying to just make it my work work harder yeah make my work different you know so that it's not just the same thing over and Sorry, over I didn't mean to be no, negative, no. but like, gosh, it's, no, it's a real thing. Yeah, totally. Like, yeah. I totally understand that that feeling and mm-hmm. sentiment. So, yeah, I think, I mean, and also like this this comes without. I hope comes without saying like, feel, also like, woe is me for feeling guilty about getting you know to this point. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, no, don't like at that, all. Yeah, you obviously apply a lot and bust your ass. I haven't ever. I have never applied for a grant, so I've never gotten got, a grant. You got a rocket. It's I know. Not, can we talk about that? Totally. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I have tons of tips on resumes, and I just try people. to find them, and I get overwhelmed. Like yeah. I think the hardest part about finding a grant is a grant that you qualify for. Yeah, and I think you just have to do the first one, and then it's like all of your paperwork is up to date, mm. and then you just have to do the one thing that is really weird that okay. they want. Not oh. weird, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, like each one of them has their own little individual thing that they that they want. So, but all of them want a CV, a statement, and, and all that stuff. So as long as that's always up to date, usually you're like rolling. then you only have to spend a week doing the rest of the stuff. That's good. That's good. Good advice. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> 
Well, guys, we're going to stop recording because I think I have a bunch of texts from our friends. Our friends were going to get here about 6.30. It's 7. So we're going to go have like a lovely evening catching up with our friends. I'm going to introduce you to Adrian Dalton, who is the current editor of Metalsmith Magazine, who I'm staying with. I'm super excited. Lovely. Yeah. So it's going to be, you know, connecting, mixing some business and some pleasure. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah, it's the best way to hang out. Richmond is a great town for all of this. Oh my God, yay. All right, everyone. Well, this has been another episode of Perceived Value recorded in Richmond, Virginia with Jaden Moore. Thank you, Jaden. Thank you so much. And also, I just want to say, if anybody has any questions... You can contact me through my website. Ooh, that's I'm happy awesome. to answer and yeah. hand out questions. Totally. Answers. I can put your email in the description of the podcast. Perfect. I don't know, man. Do you want to open that floodgate? I'm happy to. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, as always, thank you for listening. Perceived Value is recorded and produced by me, Sarah Rachel Brown. If you love the podcast and you want to show your support, become our patron. Visit patreon.com slash value to learn more or check out our website at perceivedvaluepodcast.com and click on the support page. As always, thank you for listening. <laughs>